Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I'm Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone from the comfort of my gaming chair. Uh, I am not in the car this week, but the reason that I am not in the car this week is because it is the first episode after a set releases. And as is tradition, I am joined by the one and only Hearthstone personality, uh, Ridiculous Hat, to talk about every deck in a way that only he and I could for an exorbitant amount of time. So, Hat, welcome back to the show once again. Hello, friends. Hello, Steve. Uh, glad to be back here. I am in my share of many uses, mostly gaming, but not entirely, but mostly. Um, and, yeah, it's this meta. We're going to be here for a minute. Yeah. Because there's a lot going on. <laughs> but while we're here... Hey, Steve, congratulations on 150 episodes. Well, thank you. This is it's it's weird. Like, I didn't even I realized, like, as I was putting the show notes together, like, oh, yeah, it's 150 and we should be doing something special. But it's not a it, we'll do that for the big number. But just having you here um, is is special enough for me for uh, for 150. So I am uh, I'm happy to happy to have you. And we'll we'll do a proper celebration for 200. But, um, yeah, it's been three years that I've been doing this, which is bizarre. It's like how many metas we've been through and how many times we've done this for like three years worth of sets is, is kind of bananas when you think about it. Yeah, it's been what was the first one of these we did? Was it what was three years ago? It so. must have been. Was it Frozen Throne? It must have been Frozen Gosh. Throne. Yeah, I think it was because the first set review that I did with Andrew was Angoro. And then I started the podcast like. A couple months after that. So that would have been, yeah, I think that would have, that would have been when I was still thought that I could do that while driving in the car. <laughs> I mean, you can do it poorly while driving in the car. Oh, it was very poor. The audio quality, audio quality was terrible. We, we tried to do it, but because my, uh, the, the internet drops out halfway between my, my house and the train station. So uh, I had all this stitching together and it was just not a great idea but now we've we figured out we're actually well it is a special occasion because we're live streaming this this is the first time we've live streamed one of these so that's uh that's pretty exciting too because i actually even i even went through and screen capped all 35 or so decks that we're going to talk about um and have them up on the stream for the for a chat so you'll be able to see them see what we're talking about while we're talking about them so yeah we've, we've got a lot to talk about but yeah, this, it is it is kind of bananas. That I've been doing this for three years, and and I'm thankful for everybody who's been listening for all this time too. Because I mean, I know three years is forever to do a podcast. This is actually the long. I mean, this is the longest podcast I've ever done. I've never had a podcast other than this go beyond 100 episodes, including the ones that were on relay. So, I mean, I guess technically isometric and disruption were kind of the same thing, but they were two different shows technically. So, I looked but, up the uh, first episode where we did this. It was episode eight. Oh wow! And yeah. Uh, yeah, we it was indeed Frozen Throne. Uh, we talked about surprise, surprise. The uh, the first deck we talked about was uh, KFT Midrange Bone Mare Plague Druid was the name yeah. that we used. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, Taunt Druid, the, the old like bad Taunt Druid with with yeah. uh, when when we were just like throwing out um, spreading plague just to be able to get taunts on the board. Good lord! Yeah, with uh, a <laughs> double strong shell scavenger. Yeah. And, and drew to the swarm into Crypt Lord. And there was indeed a crazed alchemist, because sometimes you just got to get them, I guess. Um, <laughs> you got to butt stomp them. That's how you win, right? Yeah. That's well, how we butt stomp people before Void Ripper. 
There was a point shortly after this list where I think we decided that how we win is play this deck with Jade Idol instead, and it's better. Yeah. And uh, you know that turned out to be that turned out to be relevant. And I came back on as well. I think uh, episode twelve where we came on and got angry about statistics and talked about how much we love Raza Priest. So the brand has been very consistent yeah. since the beginning. <laughs> We talk about decks, we talk about statistics, and we and we and we talk about uh, and we talk about priests. That's 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 off curve in a nutshell, yes. right there. Those three things, the holy trinity. Yeah, and I'll come <laughs> on to talk about priest decks that like going face. That's when I'll, I'm okay with casting. Some of these priest decks go face sometimes, sometimes. sort of. Sometimes, sort well, of, exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, we've we've got a lot of those to talk about, but so we um yeah we've got a lot of decks to talk about. I'm not even going to talk about ladder because I'm sure we'll end up talking about it in the course of in the course of discussing these decks because we have almost everything covered here. Um, all we have decks from all all nine all ten classes, even shaman. Um, so let's just get started. We're going to go alphabetically. Let me turn the uh, the lists on. And before we get to deck lists. Uh, just just a quick disclaimer, Skolomance is one of the first metas real, in a long time. Saviors kind of was like this, but really it reminds me a lot of Angoro, where we still very clearly know that we don't know what this meta is going to look like by the end. Yeah, uh, A lot of these decks are really, they're baselines. They're like constellations of cards where you've got a bunch of different pieces, and we're trying to figure out how they fit together. But please don't use these deck lists and say, these are the figured out final refined streamlined versions that will work in this meta because even if there are no balance changes every single deck in this in this podcast will probably be outdated within a few days so be aware yes. these are baseline strategies and the decks are still evolving we don't know which cards are good or not because we also don't know what we'll be playing against in a week uh but it's it's worth at least trying to catch up now because if you don't give yourself these baselines you will feel really behind on ladder with how much stuff is going on yeah, and and I mean we have a spreadsheet, and I, I distributed in the Discord. Um, it has about we ended up with about 150 deck lists, which is actually less than I thought we were going to end up with the way that the first couple of days were going. Um, and there's a lot of refinement. Sometimes it's hard to find like whatever the most like refined or meta version is. So we're just kind of taking representative samples. So like these cards may be a couple of cards off. You, you're going to want to go to Vicious Syndicate or HS Replay or Twitter or whatever to find the latest versions of these lists. But these are kind of examples of of, of what we're dealing with. So we'll start with Demon Hunter. We'll start with something that's a little bit um, a little bit familiar to help ease us into the new meta. We'll talk about Aggro Demon Hunter and. This is um, this is from McBanterface, um, though there there's a few different approaches to this. This actually runs Glide instead of Skull, and I think we're we're back to Skull now. I think we've done the Glide um, the Glide experiment and found that Skull's just better. Um, and there are also some. This is running like Ace Hunter Crean, which is uh, not standard. Some of these lists are running uh, Lorekeeper Polkelt to just be able to get Skull. ASAP. Some of them are running. This is running Seder. Some are running Seder. Some aren't running Seder. Um, but Voracious Reader is is kind of the staple of the new aggro decks. I mean, it kind of makes sense if you're running a deck that intends to dump its hand. Like we we used to play Jeeves at four mana for being able and and gave that ability to our opponent as well. And being able to do that for two mana just for yourself is is fine. So the new the new that's the main new 
um, consistent introduction to these lists and demon companion is kind of the other one that's just like it's a good one drop and it doesn't you don't really care what you get out of it any of those and i've gotten blown out by the whatever the leoc or like is the best one it's yeah the by far when you have a utility effect uh that's a third of the price then that's way more valuable leoc is the worst one for three but it's not because the effect is because of three mana two four uh and huffer and misha are both above the curve there in terms of stats being above the curve on your one drop, everyone has removal for the one drops most of the time. And a 2-1 with, with charge is nice. A 2-2 two, two taunt is nice. It's not. I'm not saying they're not worth one mana, uh, but Kolek is an effect that you cannot duplicate by getting a Blazing Battle Mage on one. And all of your threats get way bigger, way faster, especially since most of these decks are playing Bone Chewer Brawler. So Kolek ends up popping up as a lot of damage. Uh, and I'm I'm happiest to see that on one most of the time now you said that reader is consistent for aggro decks it kind of is um reader is good in some aggro decks but a lot of the like we're gonna when we talk about rogue yeah rogue is all over the place yeah but it's but you have secret passage you have cutting class you have gray stage you don't necessarily need reader reader is a neutral card draw tool that can help the aggressive decks if they need it but having played with reader a lot because i play quite a few aggro decks getting the cards at the end of your turn kind of sucks and it yeah. still can be a good card, but you need to play it as part of a turn where you have other stuff to do. If you just top deck it, even if you draw three cards, you just top deck and draw three cards, you skipped your turn, right? You don't get to use your cards that turn. You, you spent your turn playing one three and you passed. So Jeeves was awkward and we played it back then because we needed neutral card draw for aggressive decks. And it, was, it cost four because back then aggro cards were often worse in expansions because hearthstone's classic and basic set had so many really really powerful aggro cards like 2-1 leper gnome and 2-1 abusive sergeant and 4-2 arcane golem uh 3-2 knife juggler yeah yeah you couldn't make aggro too good because all the classic and basic cards were too good so your expansion cards tend to be watered down there now we're definitely in the other direction and it sounds like classic and basic are going to get a much larger rework so i wouldn't be surprised to keep that going um but the demon hunter list we have listed here did very well the first few days uh it, true aim crescent i think there's a lot of unexplored potential with that card oh yeah yeah and ultimately having played with this list specifically and other lists the best demon hunter list and this is probably going to be true for a few of the class we talk about the best list is going to be last expansions list with a couple new cards yeah and that's probably about yeah. it because i've tried yeah. playing lists with pole kelt and pole kelt is great but not having Seder overseer kind of sucks not having glaive bound uh adept kind of sucks because you can't really consistently pole kelt and you if you're pole kelting you want to skull into ultras and so you cut the fives a lot of the time mm, and yeah, yeah. it makes your skull better and makes pole kelt better but then after you do that if they survive then you have nothing but ones and twos in your deck um so just playing an older list maybe sometimes not even with marrow slicer just uh schwal built a list yesterday where it cut cards like chaos strike which you didn't really need um and it the only new cards are it doesn't even run marrow slicer it runs reader intrepid initiate the one mana one two with spell burst plus two attack permanently um and demon companion and that's it and it's just a better demon hunter from last set that we're that that keeps pressure on it i played it for two games and i beat asmodai and papa jason and so far i think that deck is pretty good Yeah, and, and I mean, and that's, I think the the lesson here is that some of the decks from last expansion are still good. Like, I, I tried, we'll, we'll get to Warrior in a little bit. Like, I just tried Bomb Warrior, like, on a Lark. 
on stream on Monday night after Zoroshio were talking, and I went on a five-game win streak with it at Legend. So, like, and, and that's turning out to be one of the best decks in the format. Not the way I built it, because I built it in control way, and it's more of a tempo a tempo build. But yeah, the yeah. the decks that are good that were good before are worth looking at because they're probably still good, and we'll talk about a few of those as we go through. But there is some new hotness in Demon Hunter, and that is the oh, Soul yeah. Fragment list, and this. This is something. And I played a few games with this. I know you played a bunch with this, too. I, I don't know if this is going to end up being good enough, but damn, this deck is fun to play. It, it's, it's all, it, kind of, um, it kind of pays off on that idea of like a mid-range. I wouldn't even call it. People are calling it control. I don't think it's control. It feels like a mid-range deck to me. Well, okay. Um, Let's run through the control checklist. Yeah. How many cards in this deck are removal-based? How many cards are designed to, to destroy opposing minions? uh most of them right yeah um i mean a fair number of them it's either Um, removal or card draw except for a a few powerful but versatile threats right and so though i mean to be fair part of that is because that's that's how the self the soul fragment generators are built right like yeah. you get you do have like you have soul the spirit shell is just a one three you have soul shear which is which is going to just do three damage to a minion and well marrow slicer is an is a is a weapon but yeah but yeah and then you, i mean you're running mag theradon so you're not an you're not an aggressive deck yeah. <laughs> when you're running mag theradon something something's going on there so it's- yeah it's control, but not the way. It's not attrition control. It's not fatigue yeah. control. It's definitely impatient control. But mid range, I usually think of like you would play big old whelp, and this deck would never play a big old whelp. Right, right. Or the right. big old whelp it plays also attacks for five, or if you have a mirror slicer equipped nine, or if you skull into it after playing pole kelt uh, a lot because I that happened to me. My opponent went pole kelt into skull into lapidary lapidary slice slice. You take oh. fifteen. And then you could do that with an Aldrachi Warblades and then up and, while and you're doing that. All the life. Yeah, and yeah. then gain all the life, yeah. And and if you're wondering, like, well, what the hell are you doing with Magtheridon in this list? I mean, we we do have um, Shard Shatter Mystic, which is the, the new Dustbreaker, which is very good, by the way. Yeah, Dustbreaker um, with a one-minute discount? <laughs> Who would have thought that card would end up being insane? Uh, nice Spy Mistress. And you don't... And, and you don't even have to hold cards back in order to play it. Like, Dustbreaker, you have to hold dra- pull back Dragon sometimes in order to be able to pull it off. This, you don't even have to hold anything back. You just need to have a Soul Fragment in your deck. And so, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very good. And then you can play Magtheridon and then just play a, soul, a Shard Shatter Mystic. That blows up all of the 1-3s, and then you get, you get the Magtheridon. And, and you can save that for a board clear because Magtheridon clears the rest of the board, too. So, like, if you, I've been, I've played this against Druid, just let them do whatever they're going to do, and then on seven, or, or seven mana at least, it may not be on turn seven, like, wait, wait for them to build a big board, then go Magtheridon and Star Chatter Mystic, and all of a sudden, you've got a 12-12, they, they blew their whole hand onto their deck, or, or onto the board, and they have nothing left. So, it's, yeah. it's pretty effective at what it does when you can pull it off. It's a little tricky, because when playing against Druid a lot of times, they haven't always had four board slots available, especially if they're on Mount Cellar. And so I like Magtheridon Mystic, but it's it's a swing play that needs work to set up, and you need to have yep. a two of that you can't really tutor for, as well as a one of that you can't really tutor for at the right time, and you need to make sure that they uh, that they have three board slots available. But when all that lines up, which is more often than you might think, but not all the time, uh, it can be really devastating. And if you get it going fast against some decks, against the Warrior deck, you can just play Mag on four, and you're fine because they can't yeah. really do anything about it. Um, but yes, that's a good point. Matt IMD mentions in chat, 
So the way that soul fragments and any shuffle mechanics work, if you see the word shuffle on a card, whatever deck gets touched by that card gets reordered. So do not go pole Celt Spirit Jailer, because then pole Celt is a Yeti, because you just undid the shuffling. You yeah, undid the and, order. And, and it's also relevant if you're playing against a Bomb Warrior, you, need, you probably need a way to draw whatever you want out of pole Celt immediately, because as soon as they shuffle another bomb into your deck, everything gets shuffled again. Correct. Yeah, um, so Demon yeah. Hunter looks really interesting, uh, and this is a great example of a class that seems competitive and a lot is going on behind the scenes. I do expect Frag DH to have some relevance as the meta goes on, just because some of the effects are really powerful. Uh, this is definitely the better Soul Fragment class so far. I feel confident in saying that. Even though the Warlock payoffs look better on paper, uh, the Dustbreaker and the 5-mana five 5-5 five, five plus 5 attack is, is also it's, it's really, really powerful. Yeah. yeah, It's a big chunk, especially if you curve Marrow Slicer into it. You just hit face for 9 in the middle of the game. Uh, it's It's... Quite nice, and the five five left behind is definitely not a uh, not a, an insignificant threat. Um, yeah. But be aware, definitely more development going on here. And you had mentioned uh, you had mentioned HS replay right before we went in. I'm glad you did. What I've been telling people so far on HS replay: only the outdated decks have stats, because any deck that's been played for three days is already outdated, and that means it'll have a small sample size of stats at a questionable rank right after the release of a set. Now is the is the worst time to trust HS Replay, Mulligan stats, and deck classifications, and really anything. They're working hard over there, but there's only so much they can do with this little data and this much movement in a short period of time. So be aware, you're really going to want to take that with uh, with a, a lot of salt. Yeah, and and I mean, there's only they can't really do anything about the the Mulligan stats because like every set of thirty cards is going to be a small sample size in and of itself, and things are just changing so fast. So, like, by the time that, that that's collected enough stats to show up on the site, somebody's probably changed a few cards, and they're, and they're working on a different list, and you're not necessarily working against that anymore. So you, you do need to be keeping up on Twitter right now, especially, like, I can't remember as volatile of, of, of a meta at launch like this. It, I mean, it's definitely been, it, it hasn't been, like, since Old Doom to begin with, because, like, the first couple of launches, the last couple of launches have been very, like, single-focused with Demon Hunter and then Galakrond Shaman before that. And so it, it's it's been kind of interesting to see everything um, evolving and then, and then countering what's there. And I guess, speaking of countering what's there, we should move on to Druid. Yeah. Because that's that's kind of the thing that people are are gunning for right now. This is Hunter Race's list that he just posted today, um, yeah. which is this is the survival of the fittest Kalefoss list, which is the 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 main druid that you probably know if you've played any ladder at all over the past week. You've seen this deck. Um, he's running. So this is the the traditional list, and we'll get to a different variant of that in a little bit. But this is running the six minion uh, survival, the, uh, not survival, the six minion guardian animals package of double lake thresher, double teacher's pet, double twilight runner, um, along with a speaker Gidra, which is an interesting inclusion. But the other thing that he's done to really take this deck to the next level is put in two copies of animated broomstick, which is easily becoming one of my favorite cards of the set and and longtime listeners of this show will know what how strong of a statement is this is when i say it that this reminds me of void ripper in terms of like how versatile it seems to be 
So, but I mean, animated broomstick just does a lot in terms of you have your Sarah unleashed, you have all these big boards, like the, the, the guardian animals boards get rushed naturally through, through guardian animals. But sometimes you just get like, you get like a, a, a thrasher, a thresher or a teacher's pet here and there, and you just need to attack in, or you'll get, you'll get a board of dragons coming off of you, Sarah. And then this just lets you attack in right away. It makes such a big difference in being able to be proactive with the deck. And and once you've played Survival of the Fittest once, the five five rush for one, which seems pretty good. <laughs> That'll take out a lot of things. Yeah, it's I've I've been surprised by the volume of synergy that Broomstick has because I envisioned it as a as a backup magic carpet, as a card that a zoo deck would want to trade a bunch. Um but it's much better if your minions are bigger, and it's better if you're playing multiple big minions each turn and have you met Druid. Because that's all they do. It's the entire deck is playing multiple big minions each turn. So, you know, it's if you haven't been playing ladder for since the set came out, then you might not know about this deck. But if you've if you've been playing ladder or even watching the theory crafting streams, you saw elements of this deck in action. Uh, this is this is the format defining deck, and the format defining deck doesn't mean it's the best deck in win rate right now, but it means that. Any deck that couldn't beat Druid stops seeing play around three days into the expansion. So if you bring this to the ladder, you will probably face a lot of challenging opposition because any deck that cannot compete with the overgrowth in the GA draw is is just gone. You just can't do it. So there are a lot of decks that that are around that are capable of beating that or at least challenging it. And sometimes you don't get Guardian Animals on on turn three. And sometimes you have to play five mana beasts all the time. And if you're playing a lot of five mana beasts, then you're a mediocre deck and you're probably gonna lose yeah yeah and and like every meta seems to have like a a sign that says like this you must be this tall to ride and you know druid is that for this meta like you can beat it you can 100% beat it you can go under it or you can go over it um like it does have like a limited amount of threats that it it's a lot of them but they're limited Right. So you can, as a control deck, you can let them explode onto the board. And then if you have clears for those boards, you're fine. Um, you can just kind of beat them while they're getting ramped up because they do take a few turns as, a, as an aggro deck to um, in order to to get started, unless they actually do like guardian animals on two or three, which does happen. Um, but even then, they're usually taking a turn off after that. And if you can answer that board, you might be able to get ahead of them. Um, but and this is a deck that really does need to draw an order like it needs to get the ramp early it needs to get guardian animals before it's drawn most of the animals having six helps but sometimes you draw that second guardian animals and you've already, you look over at your deck list and everything's gone and it's like well this is seven mana do nothing so and and sometimes you get kalfos at the bottom of the deck and like you don't you just don't have an either you don't have enough cheap spells to do anything with or you don't have like a big a big uh spell to use with like i had a game where i was playing with it today where i was sitting with kalfos and a lightning bloom and an interview in my hand for like four or five turns waiting for something to do with it and never never found anything so that that will happen sometimes and so the deck is going to be very draw dependent and sometimes it, it just beats itself and there will be times where survival of the fittest is a 10 mana bloodlust. I have done that a few times. You just pay 10 mana and your opponent dies because you have three minutes in play or whatever. Um, but it's the, I, one of the bigger reasons to play this deck is because of the fairly straightforward, I called it a paint by numbers play style. Um, it's not saying that there's no decision making to be had, uh, but 
be aware that they, there's a little bit less agency in terms of outplaying your opponent with this one, um, just because you're looking for a specific power spike. But it's not a high roll if they get it. And also, uh, an advantage of playing this deck is that you will do Guardian Animals and your opponent will concede instead of killing you. Because Guardian Animals is not enough to win the game by itself. One swing with one Twilight Runner is not enough to win the game. But people scoop. They just give up. And having been uh, one of the players of the Rogues and the Demon Hunters and the aggressive decks, the overload on Lightning Bloom matters a lot. It's very, very significant. And as long as you can just kill the Twilight Runner and swing back, the the deck is Threat Light. It doesn't really have much. It has six beasts, one Ysera, Kael'thas, and Ghidra. Yeah, and I mean, it. they get big when you survival the fittest them. Like, that's when it starts to become scary. But, like, the, the Sarah minions aren't getting survivaled. Like, they're just going to be yeah. normal. I mean, they're big because they're dragons, but that's going to be it. This is kind of like the opposite of the Spell Druid, where the Spell Druid wanted to present, like, board after board of small things and make you keep answering them. This is going to present, like, one board, and then it's going to take it a couple turns to kind of, like, power up the, the, the Death Star cannon to be able to put the next, the next wave out there a lot of the time. And if you, can, if you can just keep yourself, like, level-headed and not concede, you sometimes can just out, outvalue them if you're playing a deck that can outvalue, or you can just rush them down and beat them before they have a chance. Because, I mean, they, they can't really... They have two overflows to heal, and they have two taunts. And that's... And, and two... two um, to uh what what's the what why can i not the uh, uh iron barks why am i why am i blanking on that card jeez um so i mean sometimes the iron barks can hit something with a big butt and it's, it makes you sad but it will um you, you can beat it um and and so the way that some people have been deciding to try to answer that or make it a little bit more um more threat dense i don't even know if it's threat dense or just give it a different way to win is they've gone to the maligos combo so this is again the same the same kind of core we're only running four this is orange's list that we're looking at um we're only running four uh four animals now we're running two teachers pets and two twilight runners um we have now we have the frost warden omu germination combination forest warden not frost warden frost kills plants oh forest warden yeah frost warden jeez um, Forest Warden or That was Rath Andrew- Frost Whisper's old job before he became a teacher. He retired. <laughs> a professor, I guess. So, Omu, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the rest of it. Omu and Germination. So, you Omu, you Germination. Germination um, refreshes the spell burst, which refreshes your mana crystals. So, you go back to 10 mana crystals. Um, then you play Maligos. You play either Innervate or Lightning Bloom or a Moonfire. Um, preferably not Lightning Bloom because, well, on the turn that you lock them, you're fine. If you have locked Mana Crystals, Omu will only refresh your unlocked Mana Crystals, so do be aware of that if you're going to play this deck. Um, but you can use a zero mana spell, and then you have your full mana to be able to throw swipes and moonfires and everything else at your opponent. You've probably got some chip damage in through the, the Guardian Animals, and you still run Ysera as a backup plan if all else fails. So that that I know that some players were calling this the best deck. I don't know. I, I feel like this has dropped off a lot in favor of the survival decks over the last couple of days, but that also just may be a matter of decks that are running more armor gain and able to just kind of outlast the 30 damage, and then you don't really have a lot after that. It's a meta call, right? Because this still has Ysera, and it still has Guardian Animals, uh, but after the Vicious Syndicate report came out, the meta got more aggressive because BS said, play these aggressive decks. They're, they're good. And you didn't need Maligos as much, but during the three days where everyone was getting Turtle Mage out of their system, this was much better against Turtle Mage. Because otherwise, you have a bunch of 12 attack minions that will never attack for the rest of the game. 
unless you're running Living Dragon Breath, which is not a good card. Uh, and it, it really is just a question of what you're expecting to face. Mally Druid is fine. Uh, it's probably not what I'd bring to ladder. I'd usually bring the other list, but it really depends what you're seeing. And again, the meta is going to change. By the time you hear this podcast, it will have changed since the time we recorded it. So be aware of that. There's going to be some adjustment here, and what you end up playing is going to have to match what you see. There are also some lists that we we don't have one featured here, but there are some Guardian Druid lists that are running Exotic Mount Cellar for additional threat density, and it really makes the zero mana spells a little bit more powerful. And you can run both. You can run Kael'thas Survival and Mount Cellar. You, just, you have to get rid of something somewhere. You've got about 40 Druid cards you'd be willing to run. You just got to pick the 30 that you want. And, and maybe you cut a couple of the a couple of the beasts, which does. I mean, this is only running four, which does become an issue because sometimes you just don't you just draw them, and so it makes it a lot less likely, a lot more likely that that guardian animals is going to whiff by the time you're able to play it. So that that is one thing that you need to be aware of with this deck. But I mean, they're just different approaches, and, and yeah, it's it's if you need face damage, you can go over taunts and can't get frozen, then you're going to play this. If you're going if you're just looking to put big butts on the board and say, "Come at me, bro," then you're going to plan to play the survival list. And they're both they're both reasonable, and I don't expect either of them to go away. But they are also beatable. Like I don't, they, there may be a nerf coming. I don't even want to get into that right now because we'll we'll talk about that when they decide to do something because i mean they're they're just and and i say that not because i think anything is really broken as much as it is like that's just their philosophy that they seem to be going for more frequent balance changes changes and they'll they'll find some things that they don't like i will concede that this is a play pattern that is not a whole lot of fun to play against a lot of the time and it can be very tilting um they were talking about this during the ama puffin's response is that they are going to target feel uh even though they're happy with the power level and balance of the meta so far and I think that's that's correct. There are definitely some there are some decks uh and wait till we get to mage. There's some decks where <laughs> the win rate definitely does not reflect the misery of the play pattern. And yeah. there will be some changes to decks that I would call bad decks. Not even saying druid, but there will be some changes to decks that I would call actively poor, uh that they will be making. I, I can almost guarantee it, because some things just shouldn't happen in Hearthstone and they didn't see it coming and they can fix it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like the first Quest Rogue nerf, right? Where like Quest Rogue was not uh, the, the first Quest Rogue was not like a real terror of the meta, but it was it was meta warping to some extent. And it was the kind of deck that w- felt terrible to play against because you just felt like you had no agency. And there are decks, again, when we get to Mage, we'll talk about it, that that make you feel that way again. And, and I think they just don't want that to be there for I mean, I can imagine somebody at like you know, goal 10, <laughs> goal 10, you know, start at start of the season, you know, goal 10 X one going in and seeing like turtle mage and like what their reaction to that would be, but <laughs> which I'm sure will happen, but we'll, 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 we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, a couple of other things that we have. I mean, there is just a straight spell druid that is still running guardian animal. So this is, I mean, I guess it's not really a spell druid. This is actually kind of what you were talking about. Yeah. Where this is the mouse running, builds. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not really spell druid because we're not running we're we're not running um, fungal fortunes because we're running we're still running a decent number of um, of minions in the list. We're running two two teachers pets and two twilight runners, and we're running two mount sellers. And then we're just running all of the cheap cards, and um, and then we're going we're just going to go and do like do exotic mount seller things. Basically, I wouldn't even call them spell druid things, but they're just um, they're just exotic mount seller things. It's a um, it's a different way to build the deck, and like in the list we have on stream here, I would replace the Moonfires with two Lake Threshers, probably just to make sure that the second GA has some good hits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can. There are the thing about Druid, as long as you have every ramp card legal and standard, except for you, you can run whatever number of Wild Growths you want to know nourishes. But all the other cards, the Innervates, the Lightning Blooms, the Overgrowths, 
Um, as long as you have guardian animals, two twilight runners, and then other beasts. And two nature studies. Uh, two nature studies, because that is all the other cards at the same time. <laughs> uh, probably Ysera, probably Overflow. The world is your oyster outside of that. Play whatever you want. Uh, it's, it's really, as long as you have the core, you're fine. We seem to get there, get here with Druid a lot, <laughs> where you have like 20 cards and then you pick your win condition at the end of that. So, but yeah. you know, that, that's, that's kind of how it's Druid It's all rolls. about engines, right? Like, and yeah. the way that they can nerf this deck, and I don't know if it needs a nerf in a power level front, but the way that they can nerf this deck effectively without completely eviscerating it uh, is probably just make overgrowth cost five and give you full yeah. crystals. Uh, yeah. You can easily do that. Or you can even just move Overgrowth to five, and then that might completely eviscerate the deck because Overgrowth is the uh, Zacco over at Vicious Syndicate. Calls it the Kalaseth of this deck. I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, yeah. Reminds me of Necrium Apothecary. Uh, when you hit it, you win. When you don't, it's a lot, lot, lot harder. You can still get there without it, and the Lightning Bloom starts are, are powerful. Um, but I, at the start of the expansion, I was saying Twilight Runner also only needs to draw one card. That might be true. If you tweak that, maybe you don't need to do the other stuff. Uh, but Overgrowth yeah. is the card that druid is going to be uh the design space for druid will be limited by ramping from four into seven for as long as the card costs four yeah i, I could see them making twilight runner cost six because I, I don't know how much they like the guardian animals into twilight runner if, if you are printing guardian animals and twilight runner in the same set you know what's happening there i refuse to believe they didn't know that was intended like that card is it just says please make me have rush Please make me have rush. It <laughs> says it on the card. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe if they, they thought, maybe for some reason they thought it wasn't going to see play enough. I don't know what, I don't know what they were thinking when they did that. But They're probably you know. thinking we want this to be good because it's fun. Yeah. I, like, I would guess that it was really fun in playtesting, and the deck probably looked a little bit different, and I don't know what it looked like, uh, what else they were playing with, uh, but I bet that they made it the way it is because it's fun to make big stompy beasts. And they probably just didn't put in a deck with all the ramp or draw overgrowth enough. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe they just weren't hitting guardian animals on seven enough the way that they were building it. That's possible. Because, I mean, or, or guardian animals way before seven. Like, I, I've, you know, you do it on two and three enough. And it's like, like, I remember us having this conversation. We're going back to Frozen Throne three years ago. <laughs> we're having this conversation about uh, about ultimate infestation coming out on four and how that felt. And, and this it kind of feel it doesn't it's not quite as bad. Like that was that was very different, but that was it, it's kind of the, it, it's kind of the same type of like it, you're getting kind of like the hint of that, right? Like it feels like that, but like a diet version. It feels like that, but the difference between then and now is that every deck in standard has their own UI on four equivalent, uh, except for maybe Shaman. That everybody has something that they can do that feels really really powerful. Whereas in KFT, it was just Druid. And it was so much more powerful than what everyone else was doing. And also the avalanche of cards they got after it was also pretty broken. Um, and they had Spreading Plague. And this deck does not have a Spreading Plague. If you get a head on board against this deck, uh, and they cannot solve that with, uh, with either Survival into Ironbark, or they can't deal with it with, uh, with GA into two things, then you're just going to die. Uh, there's, the defensive tools are a lot, lot worse. So it's, it's interesting. The, the play pattern, I imagine... We'll get a mild nudge, uh, but it doesn't need a major one. And the, I talked about this in Coin Concede, and I know this sounds like I'm memeing, but the best tip for this matchup is don't concede, because if you concede, you will lose more than if you don't. Yeah. And I know that sounds like a meme, because obviously quitting is going to lose you more games than not quitting. But the overload matters a lot from Lightning Bloom, Lightning Bloom 
and they don't have that much to do. And if you just kill their Twilight Runner and then keep playing the game, you'd be surprised that you can win. It's not an insta GG. It is not an insta GG when they when they hit the, when they hit the nuts. It's not. You just need, but you need to you need to keep your wits about you and be willing to continue to play it out to see it through. Because if you just if you're tilted, then you just concede. Then yeah, you're going to lose 100 percent of the games that you concede. So our next deck is not really a deck. Our next deck is this is a high roll that has to fill the rest of the deck because this deck is entirely hit gibberling on one or two and then fill the board and kill your opponent, or you do not have a deck. I, that said, I, I have on multiple occasions been killed by double Savage Roar on four by this deck. It's happened more than oh, once. Yeah. Oh, that'll and, happen. Yeah, and, and, and when it high rolls, it high rolls hard. So this is a token druid. If you haven't seen Gibber, Gibberling, is it, is it, uh, we're going to have the GIF conversation now, aren't we? I don't really want to have the GIF conversation. But So I say GIF <laughs> and Gibberling. Okay. Because uh, the creator of the of the graphics oh, no, we're, calls we're it a not GIF. we're not having that argument on my podcast. And, we're not. Okay. That's not happening. Okay, gibber. <laughs> I want to stay friends. We're it. not having that argument. <laughs> it's fine. But it's I, okay, Steve. I like the cut of your gib. It's okay. Oh God Almighty! But yeah, but but okay. I'll I'll concede to gibberling for for the purposes of this discussion. So if you have not seen it, then it has spell burst to summon a, a one one gibberling, which also has the spell burst, so you can chain them and create. A few of them um and you know you have adorable infestation you've got a whole bunch of cheap spells again you have um nature studies to make other spells cheap you got tree enforcements which is another spell that can trigger it and then you just have your normal go ahead and kill them along with voracious reader because you really need voracious reader in this deck in order to have refill um because you're you're generally burning through your entire hand in one turn a lot I mean, you have like wrath and fungal fortunes for reload, but that's that's not that's not enough to get you there a lot of the time. Um, and then you also have kind of the the, the high end is is glowfly swarms and one soul of the forest, and you know, but you're generally just like you don't want to get to glowfly swarm. You want your opponent to basically be dead by the time you're able to cast glowfly swarm because your hand's probably going to be pretty close to empty at that point anyway. I mean, you want a high roll, but I will say I I played a couple games with this deck was one game where I did go studies on one, fortunes on two, where we undo the nerf into bloom swarm on three. And that's pretty good, right? That was a bloom swarm for seven minions on turn three. Uh, and opponent cleared it. So I just played the, the second uh, swarm on five and then sold the force. Then they conceded. Um, it's, it, it's got some packages here that can be powerful, but this is nowhere near consistent enough to recommend to anybody. It's not consistent. It's like every token deck ever, right? You have to draw the right third of the deck all at once in order to get this yeah. thing to go off. And, and it's Except hard to do that. Except your threat base is four cards. It's right. actually just two Gibberling, two Glowfly Swarm. And there's really nothing else there. And if you hit it, especially on turn one, it is devastating. And then if you don't, then your deck is not a deck. Yeah. So play that at, at, your, at your own caution, I suppose. But that's... That's far more than enough talking about Druid. We have other classes to talk about, though. I, uh, uh, luckily, Hunter's not going to take us a whole lot of time to go to talk about because there's not really a whole lot going on in Hunter right now. Um, we've got a Face Hunter. Um, you, it's it's pretty similar to the way that we were building Face Hunter before. It did get some new tools in Intrepid Initiate, which again is the one ma- one two with Spellburst gain plus two attack. So effectively a Flame Imp as long as you have a cheap spell to go with it. Um, you're running Adorable Infestation. You're running Tour Guide, which lets you Hero Power on one, along with filling fitting in a Hero Power in some of those awkward terms where you really want the Toxic Reinforcements to go off. Um, we're running Two Pressure Plate mainly because of Druid. 
uh, a lot of the hunter decks across the board are running pressure plate again because it just it wrecks druid and there are a couple of other of other decks that it's it's pretty good against um, again, Voracious Readers we're running, and then the rest of it, it, it we, we're running Hyena Alpha because we're running enough enough secrets now to justify the um, to justify the, the Hyena Alpha, and uh, Wolf Pertinger also is something you can pull off of Scavenger's Ingenuity to sometimes get two three threes for one mana, which is, is pretty strong when you can pull it off, but it's not, you know, against the deck that can handle it, it's, it's going to be able to deal with those, but if, all you're trying to do, again, being Face Hunter, is just getting enough damage out i saw this a lot again when druid was was all over the place just any everyone was trying anything they could just to try to outrace it and i've seen a lot less of it since some of the other decks have come in to kind of bring to kind of bring druid back down to to earth well you play this if you want to beat mage yeah that's mage too. mage's win rate against this deck i would imagine is somewhere in the 20 percent range uh the the steady shot hero power hard counters mage especially yeah. when in combination with this amount of damage from hand it doesn't run toxic reinforcements because toxic reinforcements is somehow too slow now. I've seen some lists with to- this one. This list doesn't. I've seen some with toxic yeah. reinforcements. You can play it. I'm not saying it's unplayable. I do agree that pressure plate and freezing trap are very well positioned right now, especially against druid and mage. And there are a lot yeah. of classes that really don't like having their minion that gets buffed eaten alive. Um, but face like. This deck is it is exactly what you think it is, and that is the hunter class right now. Right, we're going to talk about some other decks too. Yeah. But that this is Hunter is the boring one. And Sadisi, I'm sorry, but every time I tried to build Death Rattle Hunter, I would get to Python, uh Porcupine and Lion, and then I would look at what I was gonna put in above four mana, and I got to Savannah High Main and I added two to the deck, and I said, Am I really doing this in standard in twenty twenty? And then I deleted the deck and went and did something else. He's not building deep Death Rattle Hunter anyway. He's build he's building he's building a Varisa Hunter most of the time, and he's not doing particularly well with that either last I checked. Unfortunately, sorry, CDC. Sorry, CDC. <laughs> sorry. It's um, Hunter got Hunter got a. It feels like Hunter got what Paladin got last expansion, which is a bunch of half decks. They got a lot of half yeah. decks, but they didn't get enough tools to really do something different. What they were doing before was good, and we're going to go back to that. So besides Face Hunter, you got Highlander Hunter. Yeah. You know what's still good? Zephyrus and Bran. Who would have thought? Yeah, and, and I mean to be fair to Hunter, like this feels like what what Druid got in like Rostacon, where it had gotten so much good stuff for so long that it just needed a set where it took a took a break for a minute, and you know Hunter took a break for a minute, and that's that's kind of okay. I don't think we want well, the, it's not the bad. Same class, I want to point out Highlander yeah. Hunter totally fine. Base Hunter winning qualifiers. These aren't bad. They're just boring. Yeah, they're not bad. They're, they just don't get to play with new toys. Yeah, if you're if you're looking for new new excitement, you're not going to find it in Hunter. Unfortunately, it's just it's. It's basically the same the same thing that we've been playing a lot of a lot. But I mean, Highlander Hunter is fine, right? Like Highlander Hunter is still a completely valid deck that is. I mean, you're still running Brand, you're still running, um, you know, you're still running Dragon Bane, you're still running all of the good cards that you play in Highlander Hunter. I mean, you're adding like Cult Neophyte mainly for Mage. It looks like you you get Wolpertinger as a one drop. Um, this list that we're looking at from Viper has True and Crescent, which is pretty good. You get to run Demon Companion. It's a lower curve deck. It's it's intending to be more of a more of a, a, a get them quickly than the other one. Like we've cut um, Dragon Queen Alexstrasza just because like playing playing an eight eight and one other dragon on turn nine is not what you want to be doing with this deck. Like you've got Pull Kelp just to find Bran effectively. 
And then, like, the number... There are only three cards that cost more than four in in this deck, which are Rottenest Drake, Varanus, and, and Dino Tamer Brand. So it's much lower to the ground. We're running Voracious Reader again. Um, and running Mana Feeder Panthara, which is a pretty cool card, which isn't seeing as much play as I kind of thought it would, um, which is the two mana, two, three, after you, if you've used your hero power this turn, draw a card. Yeah, um, and this list has Torget in it. This is... So this is also, it should be noted, the list we have here, it's featured from Viper. It's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know if it reflects what people are playing right now, because this definitely has a lot of cool new ideas in it. Uh, looking at the Vicious Syndicate list, it does add uh, Wolpertinger. It does play Demon Companion, because those are really strong cards. And it's got, like, Ace Hunter Crean is in there, which I think is a card that you probably want in Highlander Hunter. Um, Lore, Lorekeeper Polkelts is really the best new addition here, just because... Polkelt's Hero Power on 6, Brand on 7. Really nice. And we don't have a lot of expensive stuff to do anymore. Since the DQA nerf, it's it's probably not worth running anymore. Um, it's it's just, it, this meta is definitely faster. And the deck is getting faster because anytime that you give an aggressive deck more tools, it's going to lower the curve almost always. So the best list is probably pretty boring. Probably adds like three or four new cards, maybe. The Lore Keeper Polkelt is the only thing that I'd say is a must-add. But there are some good cards in here, and I think yeah. you'd be and perfectly fine. Demon Companion, fine. probably. Yeah, Demon Companion. I mean, it's just there's not really a great reason not to play. It's a, it's a good one drop that makes yeah. a lot of your other cards better. Yeah. Um, so there's not really a whole lot to say about that, and we'll we'll breeze through this next one because it's not really a deck, but it 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 got a legend, it got a high legend finish, so I'm including it. Um, which is well, a high legend hit, not a finish. A hit, yeah, it's not a finish. I should I should clarify that, yeah. But um, quest quest hunter, if you like quest hunter, it is potentially a thing. Um, it's something you can, you can go ahead and try. Um, we're running Adorable Infestation. We're running Demon Companion. Um, we're running, we're running Wolpertinger, which is kind of fit, fitting the, um, fitting the, the Springpaw slot, as it were. You got Crean to be able to trade some of these things off. You do get to run Shuma. And, you know, you get to run Vectus as well. Vectus is going to pick up the um, pick up some of the the death rattles for something like a Zixor. Um, you also get this is actually not running Python, um, which I, I'm surprised when I'm looking at it. But you do get to pick up Zixor and it looks like that might be it. That might be the only thing that you're um, that you're actually trying to pick up here from the um, from the, the Vectus. But I guess that's enough. Right, but yeah, we're not running any Learox, uh, King Crush, OTK nonsense. We're just running a lot of minions. We're trying to get the quest done as quickly as possible, and that's and that's it. And and I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say about this. It's Quest Hunter. Quest Hunter really hasn't been good enough since we lost uh, Leroy, because Leroy Unleash was really going to be the way that you were winning a lot of those games. Without Leroy, it's it's harder to do that. But it's something that you know, it, it's something you can try if you want to have some fun in casual mode. If you want to play Quest Hunter, then you can do this. Yes. And that is the best reason to play this deck. Now, I'm not going to say that this is a major ladder contender. It might be relevant. We don't know. I will say that there is a very small sample size here. Uh, but someone did good enough with this on day one. They were able to tweet it, and we were able to give you the deck list. So if you want to play Quest Hunter, feel free to check it out. Yeah, and, and it may be the point where we may get enough cards in the next set that this will be viable. I would not go crafting Shuma and Vectus for this deck. Like, don't do that. <laughs> it's it's not worth it, I promise you. Just wait till you open them in packs. All right, so that's enough about Hunter. Let's move on to Mage, and there is a lot to talk about with Mage. And we're going to start with 
the actual deck, and then we'll tar- we'll try we'll talk about some of the um, some of the other attempts um, and some of the other things that you may be seeing, just so you're aware of them if you if you haven't run into them already. But Tempo Mage, and this is Fino's list. Um, Tempo Mage seems to be where people are settling on. It's already won a couple of um, qualifiers this week. Um, it's being featured fairly heavily in. Um, in Grandmasters to the point where there seem to be a, enough enough mirrors that there's a consensus about how you're playing them and how the matchup goes. Um, so this this list is running... It's running a lot of just tempo, early tempo minions. It's not actually like a tempo rogue in the way that it's going to be like slamming your opponent out of the game early, but it is playing just good minions that, that will allow you to build up to a big swing turn with Chenvala or Mana Cyclone or Mana Giant, um, and then has some other things to help you along. You're, you're getting spell damage minions, which helps you get extra um, Astromancer Solarians, which it generally ends up being a major thing in the in the um, in the matchup. It's it, you have evocation to be able to generate more spells. Um, this list is running Brain Freeze. That's going in and out of the list. Devolving Missiles has been going in and out of the list, depending on how popular um, Druid is, because Devolving Missiles is pretty good against minions that have plus four, plus four, or happen to be stealth and will draw two cards the following turn. Um, and then sometimes you run Conjurer's Calling, sometimes you don't. This list is running both um, Raz Frost Whisper and Jandis Barov at the top end. And Jandis is, I think, more of the consensus as far as what should be in the list than Raz. Raz kind of tends to go in and out more, but Jandis is a pretty solid minion that you probably want to be playing, especially if you're playing Conjurer's Calling, you absolutely want to be playing Jandis because that's one of the best targets for it outside of a Mana Giant. Yeah, I mean, J-Bar is just... J-Bar is original Dr. Boom in that if you can put her in your deck, you probably should, and don't expect it to swing the board for you but it will be more stats than you are paying mana for every single time that you play her. And if you are behind on board, she may save you, but probably won't. But if you need more pressure uh, to to secure a win, or if you are able to pair her with a Ray of Frost, then you have a lot of stats out of nowhere. Or if you need to reload after a Soul Mirror or whatever, uh, she is the best deal you can get. She is the 70% off on the thing at Target that you don't really need, but you walk by anyway and say, well, I'm not going to get a better price. So you just take her anyway. You just, you just buy it. That's how um, I've ended up with half my headphones. Exactly. So, <laughs> so beat by J Bar. That's that's definitely a thing. Beat by Bar, maybe. Um, I want to draw attention to a few things. First of all, we call this Tempo Mage. I know that that's the consensus thing. This is Cyclone Mage. Like, let's just call a spade yes. a spade. That's uh, yeah. there. If you are running Firebrand and you are playing it on turn three and passing the turn, I will accept the term Tempo, maybe. But this is we don't actually have that many good minions. Like, Lab Partner is a one-mana, one-three-on-one. You've got Violet Spellwing, I guess. Wand Thief is more of a value card. On two, you really only have Solarian because you're not running Source Apprentice out there on two most of the time. Uh, the minion count is very low in this deck. It's Cyclone Mage. Yeah. Uh, but the best reason to play Mage right now is also one of the better reasons to play Wand Thief and Rogue right now. Devolving Missiles is a format-defining card. Yeah. It is one of the most important cards in the format. It is not just a tech card. I dramatically underestimated it one of the best cards in the set, one of the best cards in the format, because it is a one-mana triple polymorph. Yeah, and, and, and it deals with stealth minions, too, with, which are... It deals with stealth, yeah. it deals with buffs, it deals with survival of the fittest, it deals with things like uh, like any of the paladin stuff, like it deals with the entire paladin class, yeah. it deals with Edwin Van Cleef, uh, it deals with any amount of taunts, pretty much anything. Uh, and it's it's really, really powerful, and 
it blanks text boxes in a consistent way for not a lot of mana to the point where I'm wondering if this should cost one because it's it's like Plague of Flames except all of your stuff doesn't have to die. Right. And 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 should also relevant when we're talking about Paladin, it also deletes Librams. And that that's important because if something has a liver of wisdom on it, this will stop that from recurring, which is generally one of the things that you're trying to do when you're playing as Paladin. So that's that's really uh, pretty relevant. And, and I mean, you're generally just trying you are just trying to, to, like, keep things calm until you can go off with some sort of a swing turn, usually with um, usually with a um, with some sort of a sorcerer's apprentice turn. And just start generating value from there. And then you start just doing nutty things. And, and the value, it's, it's like old Cyclomage. You're just going to get a bunch of stuff and you're going to do stuff. And eventually you're going you're gonna to come out on top, hopefully. Um, and just to kind of uh, jam the point home a little more that this is Cyclomage, we also have APX Voids list. And I believe, um, I forget who else, was, I think Frozen was running something similar in uh, Grandmasters that's running yeah. four giants and Cadgar and two copies of Conjurer's Calling just to kind of bring the point home that, yeah, we really are playing Cyclone Mage, so we're going to commit to the to the bit and we're going to go in with four giants so that we always have a good Conjurer's Calling target. Yeah, and the Conjurer's Calling version of Tempo may end up switching uh, the, you know, the other... This is a classic Cyclone Mage. What we're looking at here is almost identical to the ROS deck, and it's it's... Really, really fun and scratches all the same itches, but also it's a little bit slower. You know, you've got two copies of Arcane Intellect in here, and if you're playing that, that means you know there's going to be some spin-up time that uh, if you are being consistently pressured early game, it's going to be pretty hard to catch up. Uh, but the the more modern uh, Cyclone Mage builds that are more tempo-based, the ones that, that the one that we just talked about, I don't know if Calling is going to end up in that deck, and if it does, it's rarely a card you want to play one of. It's usually a card that you either want to uh, commit to building around or you want to commit to cutting. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at two different decks that that the halves are being jammed together and over time we'll realize they need to evolve in separate directions. It's hard to say because right now it's just kind of good mage cards. And the question is, what do we do with all these good mage cards? How do we fit them together? Yeah, and it's going to be a matter of what you're facing and how much value you need. Like, one of the things that I did pick up when they were, when I was watching Grandmasters today is that the um, the list that had two Conjurer's Callings in them were generally favored against the ones that had fewer just because you had more value available to you. And, and that, that matchup ends up being, like, who can do the most... Like, you just kind of trade off having disgusting turns, and then whoever has the disgusting turn last wins. So that kind of gives you another shot at having a disgusting turn. Um, but it's really going to matter. I mean, it's going to be very slow if you're facing a lot of face hunter and, and aggro rogue and aggro demon hunter. Like you don't want those. You want things that can that can help you live. Um, and this list is also running double um, double mirror image instead of devolving missiles because it's playing sea giants. So sea giants demand having extra minions on board. So that's where the mirror image images come in. Again, depending on what you're facing, if you're in a tournament, you can ban druid and then you can do this. Right, but if you're facing a decent amount of druid, I'd probably rather have the devolving missiles than have it have the mirror images hard run in the deck. Yep, uh, this is this is really good against like Paladin. It's really really strong against Paladin, and being able to proactively frost Nova seal the game again feels really strong and really gross. Yeah, and and then we get into some of the other more controversial attempts at, at using some of these new cards. Um, the, here is, this is Ego Waffles Turtle Mage that he worked with Eddie on. 
Um, this is the deck that you have probably seen at least once. If not, you probably will. Um, it's one of the only decks left that regularly runs Sphere of Sapience, which I am I, I made a pretty bold statement on this podcast a few weeks ago, and it seems to be coming true that most of the decks really don't want that. But this one seems to just because it really is interested in finding what it needs when it needs it. Um, well, and it has specific interactions with the mechanism of the deck, which we should explain. The way this deck works, Tortolan Pilgrim is the 8-mana 5-5 five five from... I forget which set it's from. It's from one of the sets last year. It's it's um, from... I believe it's from Old Doom. I think so. Um, the Tortolan Pilgrim, 8-mana 5-5, five five, uh, and it casts a copy of a... You discover a spell in your deck, and you cast a copy of it. And Potion of Illusion is the new card from this set that says... Uh, add one mana, one, one copies of all men into control to your hand. So Pilgrim goes and finds a potion of illusion and casts a copy of it and then gives you a one mana, one, one Pilgrim. Then the following turn, and it, by the way, the, the first Pilgrim you cast, it does copy itself. Even if you're, if you're five, five dies, the next Pilgrim you play, it's a one mana Pilgrim. It copies itself. You play another one mana Pilgrim. Then you copy two one mana Pilgrims. Then you play a free spell. Then you play another Pilgrim and another potion and you get four one mana Pilgrims. Every single turn, you get to freeze your opponent's board, add another pilgrim or a pile of pilgrims to your hand, to your hand, and then eventually, you get to kill them with Nightblade because you play Nightblade. That's the classic set, five mana, four four. I think uh, Battlecry deal three damage to your opponent, and then when you play a one mana pilgrim, you get a one mana Nightblade and a one mana pilgrim, and then you fill your board with one mana pilgrims and Nightblades, and you fill your hand with those, and then the next turn you trade them all in, and then you kill your opponent with six Nightblades or something like that. It's, it's silly. This is the deck where I expect the play pattern to get nerfed. It is not really very good. It is extremely difficult to play. Playing this deck reminds me of Baba Is You, the puzzle game, where if you've played it, you understand it's really fun and interesting. And then after about 30 minutes, you get a headache and you say, I'm going to do something else after this game is over. That is Turtle Mage. That is 100% what's happening here. And they have the easiest nerf in the world here. They make Tortolan Pilgrim, cast the spell instead of the copy of the spell, and they delete the deck. And I hope they do, because even though it's a cool exercise in deck building and a really big brain strategy, freezing your opponent's board every single turn for the rest of the game is not healthy for Hearthstone, where you're supposed to play minions and interact with your opponent. And Seer Sapiens is really important in this build, because when you play Lorekeeper Polkelt to stack your deck and you put the top of your deck as... Pilgrim, Pilgrim, Cartoot Defender, Blizzard, Cartoot Defender, Blizzard, some order there. Then you have uh, Nightblade, Raider, uh, J-Bar, and all that. You have some cards buffering you from the Potion of Illusion. But if you have Sphere of Sapience, you keep it on four for the entire game until you stack your deck. You put a Blizzard on the bottom, and then you put a Potion on the bottom. And, you, and until Fatigue, you're going infinite. If you can't do that with Sphere, then you draw both Blizzards, and you have to rely on Frost Nova, and then eventually you draw both Potions, and then you can't go infinite anymore. Yeah. So Seer makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, and this is kind of the case in Magic too, but in general, like, with Scry effects, it's not about what you want to draw, it's what you don't want to draw. And there are, there are not enough scenarios consistently in Hearthstone where you don't want to draw something, but when a card is dependent on being in your deck for another card to function and your win condition depends on it, then that is the reason that you would run it. It's like back when we used to run 
um, corpse taker decks, and if you you had like the one Wind Fury minion, and you would you if, if we had oh, Sphere yeah. Sapiens, then you would a hundred percent throw that Wind Fury minion on the bottom of your deck because you never wanted to draw that. So like that's the kind of scenario when if you if other cards that are in, that are in your deck depend on that one card being there, then maybe Sphere Sapiens is relevant, and for this one it is. But for in in general, it's not it, it's not going to be as useful in a lot of situations. But yeah, this this deck is like uh, this deck is not great i mean it it is effective at doing what it's doing but there are very straightforward ways to to beat it just you know going face from off the board is is one either with burn spells or with weapons or whatever and there are plenty of those um i beat this pretty consistently with bomb warrior um so that's something that that yeah. you can do too bomb warrior disrupts the order of the deck yeah. too yeah it's yeah. there are lots of ways to beat it but it is very effective against non maligos druid really really good because yeah. druid Low threat density. If you don't have any minions, then guardian animals doesn't hit anything. And if they draw cards, you don't care because you're just going to freeze them. And they don't actually pressure you all that much. So it's it's effective against Druid and Paladin, which are two of the better classes. Yeah. Uh, assuming that it's piloted well and you don't die to pressure from hand. Uh, but it loses pretty hard to any deck with burn damage, like you said. And I don't envision this is the play pattern that Team 5 wants left in the game. Yeah. So... I wouldn't be surprised there's a change because Shutterwalk had long animations, but it didn't just shut off your opponent's board. It didn't disable your opponent's board and at least killed quickly. This doesn't and, do yeah. any of that. I mean, it lasted that, one, ter- that one turn may have taken 20 minutes, but it was one turn usually, or yeah. maybe it was two. And and this is like, this is five or six or seven turns of, of this going on. And it's just, it's it's like the definition of fun and interactive meme, right? Like that that's what this is. So yeah, I would expect that there's probably going to do something about this just to keep it from happening. Um, but yeah, it's something you can try. If, if it's something that interests you, I would say smoke them while you got them because this is probably not going to be around for, for very long once they get to a first balance patch. Um, also, one of the hardest decks to pilot that I have seen, uh, and it's if you find yourself in a tricky situation or, heaven forbid, if you are against an Elusia, the game's going to get really weird really fast and prepare yourself, have some Aleve handy. Because it's going to hurt. Yeah, and, and even Elusia doesn't, like, if they've already gone off with the Pilgrim, it doesn't actually solve anything, as I found out the hard way once. Because you can play the Pilgrims out, but then they just go back to the hand. Over and over again. Yeah, well, I guess, this, I guess it was late enough in the game that they'd used all the spells that weren't Potion when I did it. So Potion okay. was my only choice, and I couldn't get rid of it. But yeah, it's yeah. it's. I mean, every game gets kind of weird once Lucia comes into play, or or Lucy, as I've started calling her, because it's just easier. But we'll, we have we'll, we'll, we have plenty of time to talk about priest. Um, so the other the other OTK deck um, that's here. This is Hunter Ace's early attempt at a Mozaki OTK, and this is basically just running all of the freezes. It's running Polkelt and Mozaki and Blizzard. So you'll Polkelt, you'll get two Blizzards, and then you'll get Mozaki. And then you you really are looking for bowl, and you just have like a lot of draw. You're run, you're running. Whenever you're seeing novice engineers, you know something's going on, right? Like that when, when you need novice engineer to draw, then then you're in trouble. But um, so you're running a, a bunch of spell damage. You're not running. You're running one devolving missiles. You're not running any of like the the primordial studies or anything, because basically what you're trying to do is you're just trying to get to nine mana, get Mozaki and double um and and double sorcerer's apprentice. And ideally, like, one cram session, and then you just go off with all your cheap spells, and you just start gr- generating spell damage out of Mozaki to the point where you can throw two Frost Bolts at your opponent's face for 15. And and when and two you... Two missiles, yeah. 
or you know you, most of the time when I was playing I didn't even need the missiles like the missiles were just there to, to pump up the um, to pump up the spell damage usually you can get there with just the two frost bolts a lot of the time and um, and and generally like when you play cram session at that point it's basically like Myra's unstable element it's probably drawing you the rest of your deck because you've gotten enough spell damage at that point even if the first one doesn't the second one will get you whatever else you need but you have to not die and this deck, uh, on Friday, the day after the set came out, this deck was going to get Sources Apprentice nerfed. And on Sunday, <laughs> the deck was unplayable um, because of how fast metas develop and because a deck with a very clear and predictable game plan. The thing about Polkelt, it's not just you you get to draw the same cards every time. It's that your opponent knows what's happening every time. So if your opponent knows you're going to go Blizzard, Blizzard, Nova, Nova, then they can find a way to stop that, mostly by killing you. And the current win rate of this deck as of the time of the Vicious Syndicate Report's publication is 38% in the Legend ranks. So it was an early experiment. I'm glad that these kind of uh, janky combos that seem really powerful are in the game. It is an extreme tech if you need to beat... I don't even know what you would use it against. I don't even know where you would bring this. I mean, Survival Druid probably because you could just keep freezing everything, right? I guess so. Um... But if you don't draw Polkelt, you don't beat them. And also, yeah. they can just be faster than you because your deck has mostly air. Um, I don't really know where I'd play this, but if you want to play it, you can. But it's it's not really a meta contender at this point. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be Exhibit A. Every time that somebody asks me what should I craft, like, the day after expansion, uh, this is going to be Exhibit A now for, what, for like, when I say wait for the Verse Vision Syndicate report if you're asking me why, what you need to craft. Because if you had asked me on Friday, I would have said go ahead and craft Polkelt and Mozaki because those seem like they're going to be a big thing. And they're, they're not anymore. It's been, like, less than a week. Or yeah, I guess well, it's been still around. Yeah. I mean, Polkelt is still but, valuable. Is still valuable, but he's not. He's not as. He's not critical as critical as like Mozaki seemed like it was going to be, and and now it's nowhere. It's not even running the tempo mage list anymore. But Mozaki still comes up sometimes because you play J Bar and you get a Mozaki. Oh, that's so that'll fair. happen. Well, I mean, yeah. played on purpose. We'll put it that way. Yes, but and I love Mozaki, and she's really cool, and she's just a little bit too slow, and makes you hold your stuff, and you really don't want to do that too much in this format. Um, but Mana Cyclone is, is usually a better payoff. Right. So, and, and Mana Cyclone just clogs up your deck too much for this this type of a, of a deck. You're just trying to freeze and not die and then get to your... Oh, yeah. get your if OG you're playing Polkelt, you don't want Cyclone. Polkelt means I want to do the same thing every time. Cyclone yeah. says just, you know, do, uh, just give RNG me just take the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and speaking of RNG just take the wheel, you can still play Highlander, Highlander Mage. This is, I believe this is Liquid Ox's deck. Yeah, this is Liquid Ox's And you should list. still play Highlander yeah. Mage. Because Highlander Mage is the best mage deck in standard right now. Yeah, it's very, very good. Um, it's it's actually again, as is as is very similar to the rest of the um, the rest of the decks that we're talking about that are coming over from the last expansion. They it's not too different. We're adding um, Primordial Studies. We're adding Crimson Hothead, which is the four mana three six dragon that gets plus one attack and taunt um, after you play a spell. You're playing J-Bar, you're playing Raz Faraz Whisper in this version, though I imagine that goes in and out, and then and then the rest of it's pretty similar, but it's still good. It's still, you know, you, you get a little bit lower to the curve. Oh, you're running a Brain Freeze also, just to get in a lab partner. You get a little bit lower, lower on board earlier, so you're not just kind of sitting around like you used to with the old Highlander Mage, because you just don't have that kind of time with with this meta so you have a little bit more to get you some early tempo and then the top end of the deck is still the top end of the deck there are some lists that run dragon caster as well this one doesn't but there are definitely some that do and dragon caster as we've as we've already proven out after the nerf is still fine at seven so you 
you still can go ahead and play that if that's something you want to play. I mean, this is also cutting Tortolan Pilgrim. Tortolan Pilgrim is still a fine card if you want to be able to puzzle box a few times. You may not get that that kind of time, but it, you know there are other cards that you might be able to cut if that's something that you, is really important to you. Yeah, and the list has is continuing to evolve. Um, I believe that Ox put Dragoncaster back in, but there are a lot of different ways to build this. Uh, you get all the new tools, and the deck is still really good. Yep. Um, so, like, it, it's boring, but it's probably the best one, and Vicious Syndicate was very clear. Highlander Mage is underplayed and is the best mage deck right now because um, you still just get to do really powerful things. I played against Bank Yugi actually on the ladder. who's doing well in Grandmasters with Highlander Mage, and uh, and they were able to to take it against me just by playing some of the new cards, but a lot of the powerful uh, cards that we're used to seeing from this deck. Yeah, I mean, the cards are still good, and it's still, like, a lot of the decks that were good before are still good. They just need some tweaks, and this one got those pretty quickly. So it's still a deck you can play, and if you have the cards, go ahead and play it. It's still good. Um, We'll go to Paladin. Paladin will not take us very long because Paladin is very good, but Paladin also is only one deck, and that is pure Paladin. Um, with Librams, you're running... It, it finally got enough tools to be able to have some early game and first day of school, which is very important because... And, and I think I got this... I don't remember if it was in my, my Discord or your Discord this morning that I saw that question, like, why are we running first day of school in Paladin? And the answer is that Paladin has three one-drops. One of them you're already running, which is Outdoor Attendant, and the other two are Sungil, are, are Imprisoned Sungil, which is not really a one-drop, and Brazen Zealot, which doesn't have anything else to work with. So the first day of school is kind of giving you one drops to be able to use. It also happens to trigger spell burst on things like Allura um, and Goody Two Shields, which are both very good cards in the list. Um, sometimes we're running one Blessing of Authority. Sometimes we're running two. Sometimes we're running zero, depending on on what the the style of the player and what and what they need. Um, sometimes you're usually running one Life Forge Crusader. Sometimes you're going as far as two, but that's pretty slow in this meta. But you are still running two copies of Life Forge Zealot because that's like one of the better cards in the deck. And then you have some some play around. Are you running Shotbot? Are you running Murger McGurgle? Are you running some combination of the two? Do you run Consecration? Do you not run Consecration? Do you run um, Librum of Justice? Do you not run Librum of Justice? But I mean, the the general pattern of the deck is pretty similar. You're just trying to get big butts on board, keep um, keep buffing them with with whatever you can, usually with Librams, and then you also have, you know, some of the other... Sometimes you even run Blessing of Kings in some of these lists. And yeah. just keep putting big butts on the board and make your opponent find answers for them, and eventually they run out of them. And just run Shotbot. The Murgurgle Prime is fine. I love Murder and Murgurgle, but Shotbot's a better card, um, and it, it should be core in the deck. First Day of School is a Firefly. Like, it's a better Firefly. It's probably the best, one of the best cards in the deck. It's up there. It, it is tied with number one for win rate in terms of mulligan stats with Aldor Attendant. And I know that I said only the outdated decks uh, have stats. Pure Paladin is, I'm going to say, largely stable. It's pretty soft, yeah. Most of the experiments with the other decks in standard have neutrals in them, and you can't do that here. So you take only the good Paladin cards, and there aren't that many of them. And then you got to figure out what you, uh, which configuration you have. But we know we're running most of these cards every time. And the deck is good. It falls off a lot at higher levels of play because there's not as much flexibility. It is, it is, I have called this deck the Beef Parade because you just play giant stats every turn. And it's very, very good at playing giant stats every turn. It is very, very bad at, at beating a Devolving Missiles and freeze effects in general or saps 
or blackjack stunners or anything yeah. like or that or, 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 or steals from priests yeah um, or or know, yeah. uh cabal wave or Kane sun fury it's a very good card yeah. against this deck uh there are a lot of ways to address paladin and paladin has limited flexibility for change because you only really have these cards available and neutrals are pretty strong right now yeah and and so you don't you don't have access like we we're just talking about like animated broomstick is a card i would love to have in this deck but you need you kind of need to play the pure list and pen and so, yeah. we want to yeah, have pen, pen flinger in this deck yeah. but um and so you can get both of those off a of first day of school and when you first day of school into a pen flinger you will find that you win those games because pen flinger liberal wisdom is goofy and funny uh, but it's not consistent enough. Um, and, uh, and I've I've had someone first day of school into a risky skipper. I was unhappy at how that game turned out. Oof. I was not happy about that. <laughs> That's a pretty good paladin card. They can keep buffing it too. They can just keep skipping. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. You just keep skipping along, skipping all the damn day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's not it's not seeing a lot of play in qualifiers and in grandmasters. Just interestingly, because it's it's kind of one sided. It's pretty targetable. But it was really good last week yeah. in qualifiers until things stabilized. Uh, but yeah. it won a bunch of events last week. And then really, like, when Maid started to pick up, you can see the decline of Paladin. It was a direct correlation. Yeah. And, and Bomb Warrior being a thing also doesn't help this because all of a sudden you get neutral deck, neutral cards in your deck and it turns off your, your, your pure stuff. So, yeah. like, I mean, it doesn't... If you get Zealot on curve, it's fine. If you if they get a Reg Caliber out before that, before you draw it, then it's a 4-mana four 4-2, four and you don't generally want to play a 4-mana four 4-2 four or a 7-mana seven 7-7. Seven seven. Like, that's not what you want to be doing with your life. Yeah, it's fine. It's The issue with Bomb Warriors, honestly, like, they play Brawl and Coerce, and that is enough to be a problem, um, because they also just happen to have removal, and your deck just plays stats every turn. If someone has a plan for stats every turn, then uh, you lose. Yeah, and you can also weaponize your opponent's Allura, which is kind of fun and entertaining. Oh, but. that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's very. I haven't seen it happen enjoyable. yet, but I'm waiting for it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure the next um, Trollden video. Yeah, but speaking of evil laughs, it's time for priest. Um, <sighs> and as as one would expect, we have a cornucopia of of priest decks of varying degrees of quality. Um, we're going to start with the the dragon Galakrond. Priest, this is kind of the more the most common list that you're gonna see. Um it's got it you're you're running uh draconic studies in order to um power some of the things like cleric of scales to draw um spells out of your deck. Um and then this list from Xanan um is running disciplinary. You watch you watch the original sixties Batman TV series, yeah, right? Yes. I can't okay. do it though. So Xanan. <laughs> Bam, pow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which is, which, and bam, pow is exactly what I think of when I think of priest decks. Um, but you're, so your you're brain running, works in interesting yeah. ways. It, it super does. It's it's a scary place. You don't want to go there. Um, <laughs> but you're, so you're, he's running disciplinary and gambling just to kind of deal with some of the trash minions um, at, that are coming out of the Galakron hero power. He's not even running time rips. Um, he is running Fate Weaver, and I think Fate Weaver is really there just as a dragon, more so than actually caring about the battle cry. It's just a three six dragon, though. At that point, you could probably be running the Hotheads instead, and it's probably slightly better if that's the reason that you're running them, um, because they don't they don't go off very often. Um, but you're running Wave of Apathy, you're running Cabal Acolyte, uh, two copies of both. You're running Mind Flare Cards. You you actually are cutting a lot of the steel stuff because the stuff that you can do is just a lot better than taking your opponent's cards. And of course, you get to play like with all these decks, you get to play Mind Render Lucia, and that's like one of the most bananas cards that you can play right now. 
Um, so it's very hard to play it. It you will um, you will misplay it a lot, especially at first, because it's it's kind of hard to to predict like what what your opponent's hand's going to be and what you're going to be able to do with it, and like being able to give them stuff that's not going to make that turn worse for you by giving them your hand and letting them dump because they're usually going to dump out the rest of your hand because um, they're going to have two more mana than you do. But, the, you know, you can just kind of play it on two and take the coin and play one drop from an aggro deck, and that's generally okay. And sometimes you can just take all the good stuff out of a mage's hand, and that's enough to kind of put them put them back for, like, you know, a few turns for them to draw up again. So it's it's a good deck. I mean, Galakarn Priest was already good. This is kind of the evolution of that. This is also um, running two broomsticks because... When, well, this actually isn't running Murazond. The list that I, there was a different list that I was running that runs Murazond because it doesn't help you with Soul Mirror. But like Mind Flare Karge with a um, with a broomstick is pretty good, and even just like stealing the minions and then being able to slam them into something else um, is generally pretty good. And, and it just kind of solves some of those problems that you have as priest, where you're just like putting minions on board, but your, your opponent can keep removing them. So even like letting you heal with an apotheosis on demand is is kind of a big deal sometimes. So there are a few cards that I want to talk about because Priest is, is interesting. The new cards that it got in the set are very good and it made the deck a little bit less tempo-focused because you don't need to be as much anymore. Uh, the standout cards to me are Raise Dead and Wave of Apathy more than anything else. I do think Broomstick and Cabal Acolyte are both strong for different reasons. Um, but Raise Dead is a card that strikes me as actually I think it is miscost. I think it should cost one. Um, it probably should, yeah. Because, man, that card is insane. It's really, really good. The use cases that, that I have seen it with uh, blew my mind. You just get back Disciple of Galakron, and now your Fate Weavers are active just from yeah. drawing those two cards. Cleric of Scales into Raise Dead is ridiculous because you always get to Cleric again. Um, and then Wave of Apathy is a Frost Nova that also, with Cabal Acolyte, is a Mind Control. And also, I saw this play actually on your stream, Steve. When you have Lethal on board, and then you go uh, Wave of Apathy, Elucia, you give you my empty hand pass, your opponent has literally no options. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's, it's better than I thought it was going to be. I was expecting Wave of Apathy to not be great, and it's, it's way better than I thought it was going to be. Even without—it's better than Cabal Acolyte. Like, Cabal Acolyte is fine, but generally there, like, there are sometimes some two—like, you'll, you'll take a Zixor— like, there are minions that you'll take, but you actually don't take minions as much as you would think um, a lot. But, you know, Wave of Apathy is almost always useful, and it almost always buys you a turn, um, especially if you can get, like, a Taunt Down or something with it. And it, it's really it's really a very good card. And, and it, you should probably be playing two of them unless you're playing Highlander. Yeah. Um, a lot of what's going on in this list is pretty powerful, but it's definitely... Wave of Apathy is not a card that says play tempo minions on curve, which is what we had to do right. in in last set. Because you it's that was how you won the games. You got on board and then you stuck Apotheosis. Now if you fall behind on board, you have lots of answers and ways to delay the game. And Cabal Wave is a huge board swing. And a yeah. two six taunt for four mana by itself is enough to slow the game down. You don't need to be as proactive because being reactive is good again. And Animated Broomstick is a reactive card inherently. But boy, is it strong. And Vicious Syndicate is recommending that Murazon be core. I don't know if they have animated broomstick, but I do think that yeah. I agree Murazon is poor. And also, yeah. uh, some of the Highlander lists and Turtle Mage as well are playing Potion of Illusion. And this was in one of the discords this morning that 
if you are playing against a priest, do not play Potion of Illusion after turn seven because Mirazon Potion of Illusion is. Oof. Oh, that's dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot yeah. of Zons. Yeah, and I'd, I'd want to be playing Murazond if you're playing Broomsticks, because, like, the best use case for Broomstick is Murazonding, getting a board full of minions, and then being able to use them to trade. Like, that, that is one of the best uses for Broomstick. So I would definitely want to have Murazond in if I'm playing Broomstick. But even if not, Murazond's a very good card right now. Like, sometimes it gets you a board. And one trick, we were talking about this in Discord this morning, is if you once you have Murazond in enough mana to play it, your first thing you should be asking on your checklist of things in that turn is... Are, are, are is, what did my opponent do that last turn, and is that good for me? Is that worth eight mana and an eight eight? Because very often you'll find, if you think about it, it actually will be better than you think it is. And and Murzon's a, a card that's very easy to forget about if your opponent's not doing something huge like a wondrous wand or something like that that you know you want to copy. So, but you need to be thinking about that every turn because sometimes you'll miss those opportunities if you don't ha- if you don't actively pay attention to that. Um, if you do want to play a little bit more tempo oriented. Highlander Priest is also an option. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you thought Raised Dead yeah. getting back Cleric of Scales was good, I got Raised Dead at getting back Zephyrus one game, and I thought I was going to throw up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Raised Dead getting back Zephyrus is, is pretty okay. This is Paper Ninja's list. Um, again, we're running... It, it's, you know, a lot of the, the Highlander the Highlander core is pretty similar. We're still running Raised Dead. Um, we're still running... Um, we're running a lot, just a lot of the good cards, right? We're running Raised Dead. We're running Wave, Wave of Apathy. We run, um, sometimes we run Lazul Scheme in that list just to be able to, um, to be able to have an extra proc for Cabal Acolyte. We're also running Cabal Shadow Priest for the extra steal. Um, and then, you know, we're running Wretched Tutor's a card that goes in and out. Um, you'll generally run one Shadow Word Ruin because that's mostly for Druid because Druid will put a bunch of stuff that's above five attack and you can just wipe it all out in one turn. Um, you know, you have Volpara Scoundrels, you know, the usual stuff that you would expect in a Highlander list, but it is more tempo, um, tempo positive just because it kind of has to be because it needs to fill in those slots with something, but you're still playing all the good cards. So Highlander Priest is, is also a completely valid way to play if, um, if you're having a little bit of trouble with the Galakron Priest. I played a bunch of this on stream the other night. It was, it was very good. Yeah, it's, uh, just a powerful deck. And you get to do a lot of good things. It's the same stuff as the as the previous list, except you get stuff to do on curve, and you have room for more sweet cards. And uh, Headmaster Kelthazad Shadowward Ruin is juicy. If you ever get the chance to do it, so definitely give it a try. But otherwise, I mean, this you just get to be a little bit more flexible. So it's it's just a matter of style, right? Like they're both kind of doing the same things. It's just a matter of like, do you want to have Zephyrus and do you want to have? Dragon Queen Outstraws at, at the end to, you know, be able to get a little more value or you'd want to just, you know, have consistency. It's really all it comes down to. Um, yeah. And if you really want to commit to the thieving lifestyle, uh, then... Doing, are we going full yoink? We're we going, going full, full yoink. yoink. And I'm only mentioning this because... I'm only mentioning this because I got to Legend on, like, day two of the season, of the expansion with this. And I don't think I would recommend it now. It was extremely good when Druid and Paladin were everywhere, and I don't know that it would be as good now with more of the aggro decks but this is just committing full on to just steal your stuff um double lazul scheme double wave of apathy mind renderer lucia um you have lazul you have cards you have double cabal acolyte double cabal shadow priest double ruin for druid specifically you run two plagues of death and it's just a matter of just sitting back waiting for your opponent to do stuff and then taking it and against druid and and Paladin specifically, it was very good, mainly because 
like Paladin, you just keep taking the big things, and then they're your big things, and then you get to hit them with it, and then not give them the Liberums back. And Druid, you have ruins, and you have enough other removal to take the big, the big important minions of theirs, and you can even take the stealthed uh, Twilight Runner with um, with Cabal Acolyte and with Apathy, which is pretty nice. And and then you just you just kind of wait for them to run out of stuff, and then you you just have Plague of Death and Shadow Word Ruin at the top end, just to be able to. Uh, to clear out some of the boards that get out of hand, and it was it was extremely effective. I think I only lost the two hunters the entire way up from like Diamond Three to Legend. Um, but again, I wouldn't play this now because I don't think that this is going to be good enough. Like I certainly wouldn't want like Master Spell in the deck right now. Like there were some things that Peltire and I were trying, but I think it's just like there there are better ways to play Priest right now. But if you really just want to make everybody's lives miserable and commit fully to the Priest lifestyle, like this is this is the deck that you could play. You know, Zacho and I were talking about this in the Vicious Syndicate podcast yesterday, and he said he was this close to putting a full Yoink build in the report. It was almost there. Yeah. There might be something there. There might be something. Lazul's scheme is very powerful. Once the meta settles, right? Like, this is a deck, like, control decks usually, I I think, I forget who was asking me in the Discord about, like, how the hell did you get to, how the hell did you get to Legend on day two with a control deck when control decks usually take a long time to settle? And and the answer was, like, that early meta was very, was very, like, there were two decks, basically. There were, there was Paladin and there was Druid and there were a couple of other things, but it was mostly Paladin and Druid. And this was specifically attacking those two decks. Th- the next day, not nearly as, as useful. But I could see in, like, a week or two, like, once we've got a really settled meta and we kind of nail down what we're playing against then you could probably tweak this to put in take out some of the tools that don't work against um you know against some of the decks that you're seeing now put in some more tools that'll be there i could probably see playing an ooze or two potentially to deal with something like a like a rogue if rogue got more more popular like there's other things you could do and then this could be good again so it's it's worth keeping in the back of your mind but i wouldn't play this today and i certainly wouldn't play it in this form because i'm sure it's going to change from here and day two of any expansion is actually the best time to play decks that assume people are going to try and play for board because this deck has no healing in it whatsoever. It's, it's, it has Penance and Renew, but it doesn't and have Apotheosis. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So this is a great deck to play on day two because everyone's like, this really cool minion that has to live is definitely going to be good, right? It's not going to be good. When people start playing the aggro decks that they, that they moved off of uh, a week after the expansion comes out, and they go back to like, you know, I bet Demon Hunter is still probably fine. We should probably be playing that Eviscerate card. And then when that happens, then you can't play this deck. But in the first two days yeah. of the expansion, everyone's like, I'm going to play this cool minion that does this cool thing if it lives. That is the perfect time to take it. Yeah, if, if people are playing self-sharpening swords, you don't want to be playing this deck. Like, that, no. that's not going to be a fun time. No, that's, yeah. We're, we're good at yoink, but bad at boink. We don't want yes. rogues to boink <laughs> us. Yeah. Um, so, also, Resurrect Priest, as predicted, is a thing. Um, Racy has a list. Um, it's running. It's actually not running Raised Dead, which is surprising me because I figured that Raised Dead would be a card that would be in it. Why but... would Why would Ray run Raised Dead? Because it's named after him. But he doesn't want to die. Well, I mean, maybe not that Ray. Maybe it's Blister Guy. You know, we don't want him to die either. We don't want him to die either. But you know, anyway, um, the the deck is pretty much the same. We're just kind of taking out um, Bone Wraith for Cabal Acolyte. Um, and we're running Wave of Apathy. I, I, you know, I haven't played this list, so I don't know how good that is. I'm a little bit skeptical about wanting to resurrect things that we're stealing with Wave, but it depends on what you're stealing, I suppose. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it really hasn't changed very much. Again, the decks that were good before, and Resurrect Priest was not great, but it was okay. So it's, it's a thing that you can do. Um, I don't think we need to... Sp- 
spend too much more time talking about it. It's basically the same list. We just swapped out a couple of four drops and we put in Wave of Apathy because it's a good card. So Yeah, and I think Raised Dead should probably be in this list, honestly. Like, yeah. It should probably be in there. Um, now, this next deck, not a deck. This is not a deck, no. But it's fun. So if you really, really loved Combo Priest and you want to play... This is not Combo Priest. This Come is on. not Combo Priest at all. This if is... you really love Combo Priest and you want to play a, a the version that they would give you in a Tavern Brawl that would make you miss the original... Yes, this is this is like the sequel that, you know, they never should have made <laughs> because it because it just makes you it makes you want to go back and watch the original again and forget that they made it. But and which is not to say that this isn't this wasn't good for this this player. This is a, from a player named Audrey Ruaz. Um, but, you know, we're running a bunch of cheap minions. We're running and we get to run Frenzy um, Frazzle Freshman. We get to run Power Word Feast. Um, you've got double inner fire. You've got one devout, devout pupil at the top end. You've got a, a psych split at the top end. You get to run Ahmed again. And you're just kind of trying to, you get, you, again, you're running Voracious Reader because you've got a lot of low, car, low cost stuff. As any sort of tempo priest does, you, the curve usually tops out pretty low. Um, we only have three cards that cost more than three in this deck. And you've got Southwick Veil well, Weaver, so you can start cycling and whatever. But I, I still think that if you're doing something like this, you probably want to be running some dragons so that you can play Cleric of Scale so you can find Inner Fire. But that I'm, I'm not the best person to say that because I've, I'm not a Tempo Priest player, and I don't think anybody else is either. But if you want to grind out... If you got a play X Priest games in casual and, and you want to quest and you want to grind that out in casual and you hate Priest normally, this is something you could try. I don't think Northshire should be in Classic, but I do miss it. Yeah. Not having Northshire is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But speaking of things that aren't decks, <laughs> this next one is far beyond not a deck. But if you like doing the crazy combo, here we are. This is it. This is the place to do it. Nomi Priest is back in pog form. Yeah. Yes. It's, I, I honestly don't even know what to make of this, but you're, you're basically you're, you're doing a lot of things that are eventually going to draw you cards and you're playing Chef Nomi. And good luck to you if you can get that to happen, basically. Um, you're it, this this curve seems a little bit higher than I would expect for a Nomi deck. I mean, we're running Siamat for reasons. What um, what expectations do you have of a Nomi deck? What, I it's, don't walk know. me through those expectations. I don't, I don't expect it to have Plague of Death in it. That's that for sure. That no, seems a little I don't bit expect double Shadow Word Ruin when you're giving your opponent your hand with a Lucia on the turn. You go off with six sixes because that seems a little sketchy. Um, yeah. But what do I know? I'm not I'm not a doctor. So anyway, I don't think we need to dissect this one. It exists. I, I, we're highlighting it so that you know that it's there. Um, we don't need to talk about it because we've got a lot of other decks to talk about, but that's something you can do if you would like. This is included as an example of how creative you can get with this expansion and how good of a job Blizzard has done to catering to all demographics that the, uh, the three player profiles of Timmy, Johnny, Spike, where Timmy wants to do the biggest thing, Johnny wants to do the coolest thing their own way, and Spike wants to win games. This is a Johnny deck where you play it if you want to win your way. And if this is your way, Godspeed. Yeah, I mean, I guess any of these kind of failed experiments from set two could be real decks in set three, right? So like, That's, it's worth this it's one. Worth I keeping, think yeah. I would uh, I would take the under, so to speak. Listen, if you don't have something nice to say, right? <laughs> so we're talking about we're talking about winning the way you'd like to play, Steve. Would you like to talk about the way that I like to play? I I, I suppose we need to. So let's let's go on to Rogue. And we'll start with Gallon's Agro Rogue. And there have been a few different oh, yeah. versions of this. 
and this is just top the curve out at four, play things, go face. When you run out of things, play Secret Passage, get more things, and just keep throwing things at face until your opponent dies. So I refer to my opponent sometimes as them. And that can be shortened, right, if you need to colloquially shorten it, uh, if you need to say, say it quickly. And sometimes when, you, when, you're, when you're killing someone, when you're hitting someone, you, you're getting them. So sometimes you just got to get them. It's going to get them. And this deck, ugh. So there are so many different ways to get them in the current standard format. But you can tell this one is committed because if you look at the cards between Secret Passage and South Sea Deckhand, which is in itself a, a tell, if you ever see Sinister Strike in a deck, <laughs> that's a very clear message about what we're about here. And while this is not the aggro rogue list that I'm currently playing, uh, it is excellent, and it does a lot of damage. A lot. Hooked Scimitar can be a little awkward if you're not in the coin. Uh, Frenzied Fellwing, if you get that out. I mean, that's the dream, right? Use Scimitar into the Fellwing on turn two. Uh, it's pretty powerful. Penflinger can do a lot of damage. There's a lot going on here. Uh, but, yes, Casualar is right in chat. The best card here is Secret Passage, and it synergizes with your deck having cards in it. It's really, really strong. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm not going to say people are misplaying it, but a lot of times what I see is that people play it like a Mana Cyclone where I have to play what's in my hand and then I play the Secret Passage. Secret Passage is a tracking that can draw you two cards, which is a dig through time in Magic the Gathering if you like that. Uh, it can also just, if your deck is really low curve, you can play all the cards that you find, or you can use it to find one thing that you really need. You can use it to find your sap. You can use it to dig. So it's totally okay as a flexible tracking or as a cheaper arcane intellect. Uh, and it's just, it's just a strong card that enables strategies like this to exist. Now, you can't go super full turbo with double reader, double passage, and everything else is really cheap. This is close. But you do need cards that do stuff. Like Wand Thief, I think, is a great example of a card we weren't sure was going to make it in. But it's definitely, it definitely belongs in the deck. And it's better to do battle mage and sidekick things than it is to just have, uh, just try and be all burn all the time. But that can do a lot of damage out of nowhere. And I have one with this deck, thanks to Wand Thief. With uh, Pyroblast into Secret Passage, Second Wand Thief into Pyroblast. Oh. I have done that. Oh, and it was, that just uh, makes my heart hurt. Good. Oh my god. You gotta you got you got put a, a content warning on a sentence like that. Good god. Like, yeah, uh, it was a priest, <laughs> by the way. Of course it was. And, so, you, and, so you didn't feel bad about it at all, is what you're saying. Uh, it's My regret was eclipsed by my schadenfreude. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's... When when my hand had just a Pyroblast in it, and then I top-decked a Secret Passage, I, it's like, I have damage now and a coupon for 50% off all future damage. And it's it's just really enjoyable. It's like the Costco of damage. That's what Secret <laughs> Passage is. Um, maybe that's a better title for the episode. I think I, 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 I was just thinking that, yes. I'm, yeah. I'm there. Uh, but this is also not the only way to play Rogue. And I think that Voracious Reader is the worst card draw engine that Rogue has available to them, which is saying a lot because you can draw cards a lot of different ways. But this next list that we have here, this is the aggro deck I would play today if I were playing an aggro deck. Um, because instead of doing Voracious Reader, we do Greyheart Sage, much more consistent, is a body, and we get to play really powerful cards like we get to play Spy Mistress, um, we get to lean into, uh, we get to play the Legendaries, which I think probably belong in the Gallows too. Lillian and, and Jaybar. Jaybar, I'll say this, I'll beat this drum for as long as I can. If you're playing a rogue or mage deck, just put Jaybar in. It's and not a swing card, but it is a, a volume of stats that is too cheap to not play, much like GVG Dr. Boom. It, it, it's a giggling inventor, is what it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, like very similar to that. A giggling Inventor, you could depend on to slow the game down. J-Bar, I think you depend on slowing uh, on speeding the game up. Uh, but it's, I have had many games where my opponent, opponent has to clear my board and react, and then I follow up with a J-Bar, and then they have to deal with two to three threats. And if they have AoE, they have AoE. But it's still just, it's still just more stats than you're than you're paying for. So it's worth doing. And what I love about this list, we play Cold Blood. And Cold Blood is the original get 'em. Doesn't cost one mana, but it's still we're, very very. Good. We're still we're willing to play Cold Blood, even though it costs two. I mean, we're playing Ash Tongue Slayer too, which never saw any play in the the Stealth Galakron lists. Yeah, um, and, and we get to play Scorpid, which is enough to make me want to play a rogue deck. That we get to play my Scorpion Sun. Um, in, in the deck, so, good. so that's good. Yeah. And I there, mean, is, there was a turn, I was playing this deck against a, well, it was against a priest again. I promise I don't mean to bring it up just because <laughs> against a priest, but I went... Uh, this is fair representation is what this is. <laughs> I think I went, like, turn turn one, spy mistress, turn two, dagger, turn three, uh, deckhand, cold blood, getcha. They cleared that with Breath of the Infinite. I just went turn four, scorpid your face, pass, and they had to shatter word ruin it to not take five. Oh my goodness. Like, but what are you going to do? Are you going to yeah. take five? You're going to take five? Like, it's, it's four mana, five attack. You have to find a way to kill it. By the way, my follow-up was, uh, was second deckhand, second cold blood. And then <sighs> they died. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, I actually sent this to Maureen because she's a budding, a budding rogue main now. Except uh, she's I missing... I Yeah. Um, I, I mean, opposites attract. So she, I think she's missing both Lillian and, and J-Bar, but she may end up crafting those pretty soon, so... J-Bar, yeah. definitely, I think we can justify crafting. I don't know about Lillian yet, but you could probably find something else to, to fill in that slot if just, like, another stealth minion. It's not going to be as good, but there's probably another option. That you, could, you could probably run it. I think she has a comma, actually. You could probably run a comma in there. Um, again, it's not as good, but, you know. Um, but if you if if you don't like new things and you want you want the comfort, the security blanket comfort of Galakron Rogue, it is still good. Um, it is still a deck you can play. It's not changed very much. This is more of a stealth list. Um, we're running Pull Kelt, so we make sure to find Galakron and Kronks and Togwaggle. But other than that, it's actually free. I'm, as I'm looking at it, it's almost identical, actually. I mean, the one Togwaggle scheme is is a choice, though I guess with enough priests around, it's probably justified. Um, but other than that, it, that's the only new card in the deck. It's just the stealth Galakron Rogue with Pull Kelt to make sure you find your cards. And uh, this could very easily play, uh, like, you can build this. You could put more legendaries in. You could play Lillian. You could play J-Bar. You could play other stuff if you wanted to. Um, and I don't know if Gala is the direction I'd go with how fast this meta seems to be. But if you want to beat Priest, this is probably the way to do it. Um, I would say that this is going to be the best Priest deck. Now, a deck that we actually don't have listed in the show notes here, another deck that's probably pretty good against Priest, though, um, instead of going to Stealth Build, there is a Weapon Rogue that's being fleshed out. It's being worked on by a few people with Self-Sharpening Sword and Cutting Class and Steel Dancer. And that also could be a deck, uh, but I haven't seen as much of it lately. And again, Rogue is kind of like Mage in that you've got a, a constellation of different packages, of different pieces that are being assembled. And we don't know which one makes the most sense. Having played with the Weapon Rogue list, it's kind of awkward because Self-Sharpening Sword has so much durability that drawing other weapons kind of blanks them. Uh, so you can make Steel Dancer really powerful, but it makes your passages a lot worse, and it makes your draws a little bit more awkward. Uh, there are ups and downs to it, but I think if I were looking to beat Control decks, that might be a direction I'd go in because it has a little bit more den- density of threats, but it's definitely slower, um, and it 
loses pretty hard if people start running oozes, which they're already starting to do because of Bomb Warrior. But even if they're running oozes, they're usually only running one, and you 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 just can kind of not invest that much into the first self sharpening sword, and you can invest into the second one. And that that like four swings with that is a lot to deal with, and it's very hard to recover from as a control deck. So yeah. if you don't have an immediate answer for it, or you're not running weapon removal at all, like that's just a lot of damage that you just have no answer for. And so sometimes it wins games on its own. At High Legend, apparently the meta has evolved to the point where Bomb Warrior is so popular. McBannerface was talking about this. Uh, he faced a deck that had double Sticky Finger. So wow. I don't know what's going on at High Legend. Wow. I don't know what's going on up there. If that's the meta, don't play Weapon Rogue. Yeah, but, don't do that. But that's also, it's not, that is not an experience that I can relate to or have shared personally. Yeah, no, nor I don't want to be playing in that meta, that's for sure. Um, so we do have, um, and you'll have to talk about this because I haven't even seen this very oh, much. Don't worry. The, uh, oh, don't you worry. Yeah. Oh, this so, is actually, is this the Miracle Rogue? I don't think this is actually the Miracle Rogue. Oh, this is Miracle, this is Miracle Rogue. Okay. So I'm glad you had that reaction because were you looking for Gadget and Auctioneer? I was looking for Gadget and Auctioneer okay. and it wasn't So go there. back to the Miracle Rogue. Gadget and Auctioneer yep. is in this list. It's between Ferrocat and Wand Thief. It's called Secret Passage. It costs one now. Okay. <laughs> we just, we play it. It just costs one now. Okay, Zacho and I, if you want to hear more about this deck, the Vicious Syndicate podcast that, that we released today, Zacho and I have gushed about this deck. I, I'm just outside of top 200, mostly because of this deck. Uh, Zacho is in, uh, is in top 500, I think. Um, it has double questing. It's got Edwin. It's got Hanar and six secrets. And Plagiarize is quite powerful against a lot of the decks in the format right now. If you play it into Druid 7 mana, what do they do a lot of the time? Uh, you eat a Kael'thas or Mount Cellar turns. Um, it's not as threat-dense, and you're pretty dependent on Questing Adventure and Edwin most of the time. But also you have Lillian and Jabar for threat density. Hanar can get you a lot of stuff. You still have Miscreant and Lackey stuff. You still have Wand Thief. You have Ferrocat for more. And being able to play Blackjack Stunner is really good. And Secret Passage in the deck with six zero-mana spells is bananas really really strong so it plays like the not like the conceal miracles i guess but not like the the leroy miracles of old more like when we had when we had um like the sherizin miracle yeah like sherizin or when we had strider in the deck where you have a decent amount of threats and you just get to draw so so many cards um and you want to keep consistent pressure on your opponent and it's definitely capable of doing that it's not it's not high threat density but it's very much a classic Miracle Rogue playstyle where you have enough threats that you can draw more cards than your opponents consistently and play two cards for every one that they get to play. It's been very effective for me. If the format gets more aggressive or there's more damage from hand, maybe it isn't the deck I'd go to, but you really get to play, like draw a lot of cards and play a lot of stuff, and it feels very much like the classic Rogue playstyle that we were missing with Galakrond Rogue. So how often do you keep prep with this deck then? Oh, we had a whole discussion on the coin conceit <laughs> episode. Just you wait. On the coin, every time. Okay. Going first, I think about it. But on the coin, I keep it every time. Um, well, it's, if I don't have one of the growing three drops, I might full mulligan looking for one. But I really love keeping prep in this deck. And there have been many times when I've gone uh, coin, prep, secret Edwin on turn two. And it's very powerful. Yeah. Screw, screw guardian animals on three. Like that's, you know, yeah. the broke's been doing that since day one. Um, and you can also play Highlander. I mean, this is John Bray's list again. You know, there's not really a whole lot to say here. Um, you're you're playing just kind of it's kind of an amalgam of all the things that we've already talked about. Just playing the good cards, and and you're going to play you know more of more of a value game. Just being a Highlander list than you are with some of the more focused lists. Just because, I mean, the the curve does top out at six. 
uh, really at five, aside from Flick and Dragon Queen Alex Straza. It doesn't even run Togwaggle, which is interesting. Um, so it is much lower to the ground, as we I would expect these Highlander lists to do as we get more cards. Yeah. But well, if you don't you run Galakrond, you, know. you can't really run Togwaggle. Like the invokes getting you lackeys are so important. This yeah. only runs Miscreant for lackeys. Yep. So it's a thing that you can do. Um, you know, it's it's kind of just a lot of good stuff from Rogue and a few of the packages, just one of. So um, it's really nice yeah. that. The the nerf to Galakrond, I think, made it so we can finally answer the question, what do we have to do to stop playing that package? And I'm really glad they nudged it, because before it was probably too good to not play, and now it's it's an option, but not a requirement. Right. Um, so we'll go on to Shaman, and we'll probably go pretty quickly through Shaman, because Shaman's not... It's, Shaman's better than it was, but it's not quite there yet we've got an aggro shaman from orange which is just kind of trying to do the whole vicina doom hammer overload type thing we're running two doom hammers two cumulo maximus um we're running vicina we're running serpent serpent shrine portals and lava bursts and and but we don't have thunderhead anymore so you, you do have surging tempest but just not enough of those types of things. You can use Diligent Note Taker to get some of your burn back, and you can use Lightning Bloom to kind of trigger trigger overload and get a burst of of um of tempo or whatever. Um, Intrepid Initiate is in this list, Voracious Readers in this list. Instructor Fireheart is a card that with enough mana you can you can chain that into a decent amount of damage. But I, I haven't really seen this very much at all. Um if, if this, is, any, this yeah. is from day one. We should yeah. mention that. Yeah. That- Two of the three decks that were featuring in Shaman are from day one, because that was how long Shaman was good for. And since day one, I will describe Shaman in the following way. That's accurate, yeah. And there are things you can do. There are things you can do with Shaman. Totem Shaman is still reasonable, sort of, but... It's fine, kind of, but would you really play it? And in qualifiers, if you want a hard target, you can bring uh, Control Shaman. If you want, spell damage shaman is fun. I actually think quest shaman. There might be something in quest shaman. Edelweiss built a list that's pretty spicy. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about but, that next. Yeah, yeah, but shaman like it got some cool stuff, but nothing good enough to justify playing it. And the way that you know that shaman is missing pieces is that lightning bloom is not good in shaman. And if lightning bloom is not good in your in your class, then your class is bad. Right. Um, yeah, so this is Edelweiss's um, Quest Shaman. It, it's fun. I played a few games with it. It's it's fun. I mean, we get to run sc- our, my Scorpion Sun, so that's good. I mean, you get Marsh Spawn. You get to double up on Inspector on Instructor Fireheart, which is which can lead to a wacky turn, but you're using a lot of mana to do it. So you know you have kind of have a trade off there, but you do get to keep two of the cards at least. Um, you got Wandmakers. You got Man- Mana Feeder Panthara. You've got you know the usual suspects of Cable Rad and Sludge Slurper and and Lice Adventurer and Questing Explorer. And you do have a Lightning Bloom to to help you out. You got Plenflinger, which you can use with some of these spells that you're generating. And um and you you do have like Cumula Maximus for burn at the end. And you have Lurker for below for a big clear. Though be aware that only one of the hits from Lurker Below will will go down the line because it actually has to kill something in order to chain to the next minion, so do be aware of that. Um but yeah, I mean it's 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 a you know it's a it's a fun deck and and she had some good success with it, but it's not it's it still feels like it's missing something or it needs like a nerf somewhere else to bring the rest of the power level down so it can come up, maybe. And I played this in reasonably high up in Legend uh yesterday actually and it was pretty good for me. All things considered I went five and two. 
uh, from about 350 to or 450 to 350 legends. So like pretty good uh, beat language hacker with it. And uh, it's you have a lot of value generation. You have a lot of burn, but it doesn't feel like it's the best way to do any of the things that it's doing. I will say the volume of burn it can put out is, is pretty significant. It's not too hard to find a lava burst. And then you end up a lot of turns with uh, where you use the lightning bloom to actually add overloaded crystals. And then you can go hero power, lava burst, cumulo maximus, and that's 15. And being able to 15 people for 10 mana, it's like that's a good amount of damage. I kill a lot of people from 15 over the course of, of my time playing with it. Uh, Penflinger will activate your quest very quickly. It's fun, and there is depth to it, and it's very hard to play, and feels very much like Quest Shaman a year ago if you enjoyed that playstyle. It's not crazy to play this on ladder, but it's a lot of work for uh, for a deck that has to find ways to win as opposed to a deck that has clear ways to win. Yeah, and there, there are a couple different ways you can build this. I think I saw a different version that had Town Crier in it, so that can kind of help you set up your ta- next tour guide. Tour guide, not town crier. Good, good, gore, yeah. good lord. That's that's a very different card. Yeah, tour, tour guide to kind of set up the a, tour, a turn where you don't have to pay for the hero power to be able to get as much value out of it as you can. So that's a thing that you can do as well. Um, it, you know, again, it's something you can do, but it's it's not going to be the best version of what you can do. And and there's also this spell shaman from um, Shadows. I think is the player who brought who did well with it, but Cranish is the one who built it. Or maybe I'm getting that backwards. I don't. I think I've seen nope, this. You did it right. Yeah, Brandish is a designer, it. and Chanos uh, did well with it. Yeah, and and this is a, like a spell damage deck. I think I saw this once. I don't even think it's I was playing. Deck. Yeah, it, it's no, a this day was, one deck more, that is. Yeah. It's very close to the deck recipe. Yeah, and that's how you know that it's cool and fun and probably not where you want to be. Yeah, and so we're running. You know, Rune Dagger helps out a lot to be able to get consistent spell damage. That's hard to remove. Um, Raz Frost whispers in the list because it, you know, it, it does kind of, you know, ping off of that. You, you're running Squall Hunters, which is a choice, <laughs> um, you know, and you have uh, Molten Blast and you have Serpent Shrine Portal. You have a lot, all, basically all of the burn decks, you're running Lady Vodge to draw a bunch of them eventually. Um, you do have Sorcerer's Substitute at the top end, which is a six mana six, six, that if you have spell damage, summons a copy of it, as well as Arcane Watcher, which is, I believe, a four, five, or no, it's a five, six for three that can only attack if you have spell damage. So, and you, you, I mean, you're running two Devolving Missiles because why wouldn't you? Because you can, because you're, you're in a class that can play it. Um, it I, it's surprisingly potent when it works, but it does take a lot of skill to manage all that overload and be able to chain those those turns correctly and be able to push all that damage without screwing yourself with the overload math. It's this is a deck that needs a lot of time to wind up and the the punch it doesn't win you the game. Right. So it's it is a fantastic whiz bang deck, and that's it. Yep. That's as far as I'll go with it. Rip Whizbang. Yep. yep. So, because Whizbang's, Whizbang's wild now. You get wild, Well, I guess you get the standard recipes, but you get the wild cards out of the Discoverers, which is, makes for some fun gameplay. Yeah. But Though with the AMA, Whizbang was specifically mentioned, and the response was, we're looking to fully rework the classic and basic set. Um, oh, that would, and, that would make sense, yeah. And besides Whizbang, what other cards would you like to see? So I think he would be a great permanent addition to uh, the standard format. It would be a great per- permanent addition to the basic set, would, is what it, what it would be. Not, not even classic, or, just give it to everybody. I I don't want to make the assumption that the basic set will continue to be a thing. Yeah, because hopefully it won't. Well, I imagine that they'll give some some standard set of cards to players through the tutorial and yeah. through like unlock, unlocking the classes. So I think that would probably exist there as part of whatever the free set is. Like you could call it initiative, initiative set or whatever you want to call it. But yeah. I imagine you'd have some sort some sort of standard cards that you give out to to players for free. But that that's not we're we're already, we're already going almost two hours and we still got two classes to go through. So. Yeah. Um, 
so we'll move on to to better classes and warlock and warlock um zoo is kind of the first place that you're going to go with zoo and the, the new pain zoo this is a list from the cantaloupe but there's a lot of different ways to build pain zoo right now um it's generally very good um this list is you you do have um you're generally revolving around dark lair that's kind of the build around of the deck along with the Expired Merchant, uh, Nightshade Matron, Hand of Gul'dan package. And then you're also running Flesh Giants at the top end because you're you're taking damage and then you're running Soul Fragments, so you're healing back up. So you're going to get those Flesh Giants discounted relatively quickly. Um, so those those will get cheap, and then you can get those out. And sometimes you're even tossing those with the Expired Merchants just to get more of those rather than tossing the Hand of Gul'dan, and that's fine too. That's obviously not your first target, but that is a, a viable use case if you're getting that early and you don't have a hand yet. And um, you're running all of the soul fragments. This list is running Canrithard Ebonlock. It's running. You're running two disease vultures because that's that's kind of one of the best pain pain payoff cards, um, along with one Nefreset Thrasher and um, one Shadowlight Scholar, which is the um, three mana. I believe it's three four deal three damage if you yeah. bl- if you blow up a soul fragment. Um, and and tour guides will let you tap on turn one. You've got a penflinger with the that's pretty good with the raised deads and and even soul fire if you need to and and some of the other cheap spells. And then you're just kind of you know getting a, a critical mass of of minions. And dark Lair can really power the deck and start getting it off to. It takes a little bit to get going, but once it does get going, it, it's pretty much like a flywheel. Yeah, you generate a lot of mana in the mid game with this deck. It's it's druid-esque in a way just because dark lair will often lead to 15 mana mid-game turns if you get the right composition and i will say as well this deck is currently reshaping wild to its will because in wild you have many many more effective tools <laughs> oh, including yeah. kobold librarian Oof. including molten giant which we absolutely oh, play oh yeah hi and yeah yeah so I and when you raise dead and get back only flame imp and vulgar homunculus, then your dark lair suddenly just starts to be like a a mana perpetual motion machine. Uh, where the, there was a turn where on turn four I had an empty board and ended up with seven minions, two of which were giants, one flesh, one molten, and I had dealt myself sixteen damage. And then my opponent took far more than that the following turn. So while is currently being torn up by this strategy, and it's really strong in standard two. Raise dead again. It's a mana generator that can often generate more mana if it gets you flame imp or penflinger or something like that or even tour guide um it's very easy to have really degenerate mid-game turns with this deck now it again if you have the ability to pressure from hand if your opponent puts themselves at 10 you're pretty happy about that as the face hunter because then you just hit them in the face for 10 damage and there's a little bit of life game but not a ton here mostly the soul fragments right like that that's where you're going to be getting yeah. a lot of the life back specifically the soul fragments yeah, yeah. But yeah, if you don't if you don't draw those, they go. Yeah, if you don't get those, if you don't get those generated, or they're stuck at the bottom of the deck, then sometimes you can run into some trouble. If you're not, if you're not, but you're also drawing through the deck because you're tapping almost every turn, so you're going to be drawing through the deck pretty quickly. So, so you generally will hit them, but sometimes you just don't, and sometimes you're just low, and then you die. Uh, so it's fun. It hasn't seen quite as much play, but it's there will probably be something to this here. Um, Warlock in general is definitely underexplored. Uh, and I would say the Warlock uh, that we've seen the most of is probably Soul Fragment Galakrond, just because you don't get to play Raise Dead, but you get to play a different very powerful payoff card called Plague of Flames, and that is text box agnostic mass removal, and that is almost always where you want to be in any format if you can do that. Especially in a format with Druids and Paladins. Like, that that specifically is very, very good against them. Well, um, and Contra's Calling. Yeah. It's yeah. really good against a Conjurer's Calling because they yeah. go off and they say, okay, all your stuff is dead. Yeah, and this is an older list from, from Wee Stone. I think there's a newer list that is cut the Flesh Giants. 
Um, and it's, I think it's running one double Moarg instead. And, and Dark Skies has actually fallen out of the list, believe it or not. Ooh, I was surprised that's about weird. that. Yeah, but the, that will, I was looking at HS Replay, one of the best performing lists. I mean, again, this was this is a three day old list, so there might be a newer list even than, than what I was looking at. But that was cutting Dark Skies. And I've been playing that deck today. I actually haven't missed Dark Skies, believe it or not. Because you're you're generally you don't necessarily need to tap every turn, um, but you you don't necessarily need it. And Brittlebone Destroyer is an incredible card in this list because sometimes it just goes off. Sometimes it just gets activated for you by accident because you draw a soul fragment. And then, okay, well now I get to blow something up for it, and that's great. Um, but sometimes you can just tap and do that, and it's fine too. Um, Sacrificial Pact has also gotten cut in that list that I was playing. Again, this is very much in, much in flux. Um, I think that. You, the, the list that I was playing also only had three dragons, which gets very awkward with trying to activate Craze Netherwing and Netherbreath, because like sometimes you just don't have a dragon, and you have to... I did have to find Lethal by throwing two two-damage Netherbreaths to face in one game. Um, so I think we're still trying to figure out what the best way is to to build this deck, but at the end of the day, like the this pattern is very good because you're generating a lot of stuff on board, and you have answers for the big things that your opponent's playing, if you're playing against a druid or you're playing against a, a, a paladin where they have these big swing turns where they generate a full board and you can deal with it with one mana. So for that reason alone, this is a, a, a deck that I would expect to see more refinement and will probably, if this, if this meta stays similar to what it is, I think will probably end up being, um, being relevant in the meta going forward. And Language Hacker was playing Galakron Warlock and Grandmasters and is doing very well with it. And the only new card in the deck is one cult neophyte. Otherwise, there's 29 cards that we had before, including the Dark Skies, including Double Devoted Maniac, everything that we're used to playing, just to lean into the power of Plague of Flames. Um, and we did very well with it. So it's there. sometimes just the older decks that are a little bit more refined do fine if the meta has shifted. The deck may not have been bad before, just might not have had a target to hit. Yeah, it and, might just not have been the right meta for it. Sometimes good decks just don't don't fit in the metas that they're in. Yeah, and we may see more Quest Warlock as the expansion goes on, uh, just because the Soul Fragments do work pretty well there and is a play pattern that GMs seem to enjoy. But so far, it seemed like Quest Warlock is not quite the place you want to be, um, and I, I don't know what it will take for us to shift there, but Elusia being so popular has made it a much more questionable play, a Soulfire-based combo deck when your opponent just takes your hand and then uses your soul fires, because then they're discarding other vital combo pieces. Yeah, especially well. when they don't care what they're discarding, because they're not going to have to use it after that turn. Like, it, it, get, it gets pretty hard to... Yeah. And they can just rip that Elusia pretty much whenever, and they can get rid of a lot of your burn, and it doesn't matter. Whenever your hand is full, they'll just yeah. take it, and they can spend your plot twists, um, they can spend your soul fires, they can play the Zephyrus that you intend to hold all game. It's very easy. when it Whenever any deck is playing Zephyrus because they intend to get to fatigue, being able to just take that take that tool away in uh, by itself is powerful, but you get to eat all these soul fires and, and really powerful things uh, that don't cost a lot of mana. Yeah, especially because they're because they're cheap at the end of the game and when you when you can do that on 10 mana. Yeah. Um, so speaking of, there is a hand lock list that Viper put together, but again, probably because of Priest, it hasn't really seen a whole lot of a whole lot of play just because Elusia just wrecks it. But it is a deck that you can play. We get to play Flesh Giants. We get to play Valdris again. We can play Sociologist Militia, which is actually a, a, is a lot better of a card than I expected. It's actually been pretty effective when I've tried to use it. 
Um, but you're running all of the soul fragment lists. So this is kind of like the mid-range soul fragment list for Warlock, effectively. You're running School Spirits. You're running uh, Spirit Jailer. You're running, um, you're running Shadow Light Scholar. You're running... Um, you, you're just running all that stuff. You get one Shadow Flame to go with the Flesh Giants. He's running Zeraku because he seems to love that card. Um, That's Viper and day one decks running Zeraku <laughs> that never see play again. Name a more iconic duo. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and this is a day one deck, by the way. Um, if you if you want to play with Soul Fragments and Warlock, you can play this deck. If you want to win games, you probably shouldn't because this deck is good at the first thing, but not the second. Yeah, I, I would say if you want to play Soul Fragments in, in Warlock, look for a Galilus. That's that's running Soul Fragments. That's probably a better la- a better a better choice for you. Um, so but, that yeah, but Warlock is is underexplored. There's definitely some room here, and it's doing reasonably well despite low representation in GM. No Hands Gamer did bring Pain Zoo. He's been working on that deck. Um, and it, it he's top four, so yeah, worked pretty well for him. Yeah, just because there aren't a lot of decks here doesn't mean that Warlock is is bad. I think that there, Warlock may be one of those classes that just takes a little little bit longer for people to get to, especially because a lot of the archetypes are archetypes we've seen before. So those are generally going to get revisited last because people want to play with the new shiny things first. Yeah, but it's important to note only two America's players brought Warlock at all, and they're both in the top four for the week. Yep. So something worth noting. Yeah. And so that will bring us finally to Warrior. And we'll start with the new hotness first, which is the deck that I refused to let Andrew accept that was a thing. And it turns out it actually might be sort of a thing, which is Big Warrior. And this is Language Hacker's list. This is list. totally been, a thing. This is absolutely a it's thing. A, it's a thing. Language Hacker's been doing very well with this. Both, I believe he's been doing well with it in GM as well as on Ladder, if I, if I remember correctly. Right. I know he's at like top like 300 or whatever with, with that on Ladder as of yesterday. Um, yep. And and you're just kind of you're running athletic studies um, just to kind of get some of the early you know get some early tempo and then you're running Vargoth for the dream when you get to hit one of your your big spells with it and then you're, he's actually running Cleave which I haven't seen in a deck list in in a minute um, but you're running a lot of the yeah, early that's fallen you know, out of the list okay good <laughs> when uh, that started picking up when there were a lot of spy mistresses oh okay um, that makes sense yeah yeah. But yeah, that's fallen out of the list. Uh, he's definitely he's still running Slam, but he did cut Cleave, um, and he also cut the Inner Rages. But he still has Grom in the deck, and you just activate Grom with Sword and Board or Slam most of the time if you even need to. But if you commencement it, you don't need to. Or if you Ripper it, then you just get two charging four tens, which is fine. I mean that that I don't think you're upset about that at all. Um, and yeah, and you, and I mean you just have a lot of the good early early control tools. Coerce is a heck of a card. Um, just Very be, good. just being able to it just remove a minion on demand and, and being able to brawl into course just guarantees a full clear. Um, so that card's been extremely powerful. Um, you get to run Reaper Scythe as well, which helps with a lot of the early removal. And then you've got Commencement and Dimensional Ripper that are pulling out um, two copies of De- well, a copy of Deathwing, a copy of Deathwing Mad Aspect, I should specify. Um, Grom, you got two Troublemakers. And uh, Rattlegore, and those are all good hits when you pull them off of a commencement or a dimensional ripper. Troublemaker, in particular, has really impressed me with how powerful it's been. Um, just, just in terms of like the impact it makes when it hits the board. Troublemaker is very, very good. I do agree. But another card that has impressed me. <laughs> he's just so enthusiastic about yes. his own name. It's he's just like a really big bony pokemon he can only say his own name and he says it over and over again and rattlegore is it's a strong card because usually when you look at at piles of stats you're like what my opponent is just going to ignore it and go face if you ignore a rattlegore 
How long can you go ignoring a rattle cord? They're going to hit you for nine. You're going to trade into it? No, no, you're not going to trade into it. So it's just really, really unpleasant to deal with, and it just stays on board forever, except for developing missiles. Or, or, or um, wave and cabal acolyte. Because then you just yes. take it. I, I actually, cabal I get, wave. You know, yeah, Cabal or if you go soul mirror yeah. into a soul mirror into apotheosis is really really nice. Um, there are uh, you know you can still carge it. There are a lot of ways for priests to turn your rattle Mur- against Murzon, you. Murzon with a broom yeah. to kill to run the Murzon into it, and then you then you have a bigger uh, my my dad beats up your dad, and yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that you can do to it. But they're outside of priests. And devolving missiles, they're real. And even if you're devolving missiles in it, like you're still leaving a six drop, which is still potentially uh, still a. a th- I mean, it's not as as significant of a threat, but that's still a threat that you're going to have to deal with. If even if you're devolving it, it's if you yeah, take it, it's just better it, than then, a yeah. threat that you yeah. literally cannot deal with. Yeah. Um, obviously, taking it is ideal, or sapping it, or whatever. Um, I do enjoy sapping it or stunnering it. Very enjoyable experience because if you want to pay 10 for that and my rogue gets two turns for to deal with one rattle gore or rather deal with your face behind the rattle gore that's a pretty good place to be uh but yeah there's a lot going on here reaper scythe is probably the most important warrior card of the expansion because oh my goodness that card is fantastic that's the four mana four two weapon with spell burst the skin's cleave um and being able to kill a bunch of minions is really really strong but there are a lot of powerful cards in this uh from the new set athletic studies have been an all-star every time i've played it it's really easy to get Cargath or Restless Mummy, and those are good cards at one less mana. Yeah, yeah. So there, this is this is a viable deck. I mean, it's probably as close to a Control Warrior as we have right now. I do have a, a, an actual Control Warrior um, in a couple of a couple of decks, but I don't think that that's that's more of a of a day one thing. That's not really going to be a thing. This is really the Control Warrior. Uh, of control the- Warrior, I think, is semi real. Yeah, I, I guess, think it's well, actually semi real. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, we have to talk about Bomb Warrior, which is the other the other major yes. warrior deck that um, and and again, Bomb Warrior is and this this is again like this is something that Zeroshi and I were just talking about on Monday, and then we cooked up a version of it, and it worked really well. And and turns out that a lot of the Grandmasters were kind of testing the same thing because all of a sudden this was all over Grandmasters, and now this is all over qualifiers. And and the, I mean, it's pretty similar. There there's basically two ways that you can build it. Um, one way is the way that we have listed. This is um, this is Comic's list that he did well on ladder, um, but it also can. Um, it was based off of Casey's Grandmasters list, if I remember correctly. If you, I think that's what you said, right? Um, yeah, and, it's based off Casey's, yeah. and it's a yeah. lot of the GMs are running it. RDU is top four with a list that's basically identical. Yeah, and and it's it's very similar to the other list. I mean, you're still running um, risky skippers. You are running up, upgrades just to get more more swings with the with the wrench calibers, and you're also um, you're also just kind of getting more face damage with it. Um, you do run Ankar, you run Risky Skipper, you run the armor, you run the Armorsmith package. You're running Battle Rage. Only one of them in this list because you're running, um, and you're also only running one Blood Boil Brute, but you're also running Cutting Class, which is very good with the Reg Calibers. It costs at most two, um, and then you also have um, both Greenskin and Doctor Krastinov, um, just to get the weapons just as big as you possibly can, and then and then go with Deathwing. The the way that I was building it was kind of cutting. Basically, I was playing it sort of like this, and then Old Guardian was in my list in my chat that day. He's like, "Well, if we're if we're cutting one of the battle rages, then why don't we just cut the whole Risky Skipper package and just kind of go with more of a control skin?" So we ended up throwing in Troublemakers, and we're running Shield Slams and Shield Blocks. 
and um, you're running double coerce because that card is is ridiculous and running a news for some of the some of the weapon decks and stuff like that. And that was working pretty well for me on stream too. So there's a couple different ways that you can build it depending on what you're what you're seeing. But bombs are incredibly good with what you're facing because they they turn again like we said a couple times already. They turn off pure paladin plays. They turn off Highlander cards. They're good against decks that want to draw through. It punishes them for drawing. Um, weapon damage is very hard for a lot of decks to deal with in general. So you get some kind of permanent damage that you're able to get through, and then you generally just have to get the rest of it, the rest of it over the over the line. And damage that is from hand that doesn't rely on having a board is very valuable right now. And, and bomb warriors basically that's like the the mission statement of the deck. And uh, and good against pole kills as well because of the shuffles. Uh, I will say that this is also not the guaranteed final build of it. Uh, X Blizz or Blizzes who is also top four in GM right now, definitely went a different direction, went more like the Enrage Bomb direction, uh, except still includes Evil Quartermaster, uh, plays Horde Pillager instead, and at the top end... You have the best of boy. both worlds. Yes. Rattle, uh, rattle Bombs. Bomb Gore. I don't bomb know. Gore. Yes. Yeah. You, get to do, you get to do a lot of stuff. Um, so it's, there's a lot of options here. But uh, some kind of bomb warrior build seems to be the way to build it right now. It's uh, it seems better than classic and rage, which is still fine, but kind of struggles with druid and paladin outside of the addition of Lord Barov, which is a great addition. Uh, but you need some way to uh, deal with big minions, and the way to deal with big minions is well, you play coerce, or you play Barov, or you hope, or you or you really or it. you make their face blow up before they can play them. Right. Yeah. Because if they can, if they're dead, they can't play big minions. So, True. yeah, and and should be mentioned that I believe it's every single like um every one of the first five qualifiers of this weekend had a bomb warrior in the lineup. Everyone is single five. One of the people who uh the first five who qualified this weekend. I haven't run the rerun the the data since this morning, but it's uh it is it is very a very good strategy if you're going to be playing qualifiers. That and priest were in I believe every lineup, and then it was just either tempo major druid. Yes, uh, the first. The first winner was actually straight up an uh, Egg Warrior. Um, it wasn't Bomb, but the next four winners all had a Bomb Warrior and a non-Highlander yeah. Galakron Priest. Yeah. So that's something if you're playing qualifiers you want to be paying attention to. Um, so this is the Control Warrior that we were talking about. Again, we're, we're cutting all the all the Enraged stuff. We're cutting... We're not running the big cards, but we're running... We're, we're still running big cards. We're still running um, Deathwing and Rattlegore at the top end. We're running Magtheridon because why not? Um, we're running double Hecklebot, and um, it's not in this list. I, oh, no, it is in this list. We're, we get to run Bulwark of Azanoth, which just makes my heart sing, just seeing Bulwark of Azanoth in a, in a deck that's actually seeing um, that's seeing some play. This is Titan's list, by the way. Um, and you're running Information, which puts the two random taunt minions into your hand. Again, this is an early list, so I'm sure that that's probably fallen out by now, But because um, there's a lot of one-ons in this list including a one of Iron Beak Owl, because that's just, that's a card we have to play if we want to silence now, because uh, Spellbreaker's gone, so um, we're, we're owling it up again, but yeah, it's, it's, and it's also running a Headmaster Kel'Thuzad, so you can have, if you're, if you're really feeling lucky, you can go for the Kel'Thuzad Brawl Dream, and if Kel'Thuzad lives, you get to, you get to summon all the minions back on your side. It's not going to happen very often. So I do believe that Control Warrior is a thing, and it is not this list. Okay. This list is not it. Okay. I do believe that there is some kind of Control Warrior out there. 
I'm sure there's a way to do it. I do not believe it is the deck that plays two copies of Warwind on purpose. That can't be right. <laughs> there's just no way. Yeah. This was definitely checking against a very specific early meta, and, and God bless him for, for building that out. Um, and also, you can still run Enrage Warrior as well. We have a list from Gabby that I'll have in the show notes that unfortunately is not showing up on the stream right now. Um, but it's it's pretty much, you know, like this is this is kind of, again, variations on a theme. Like Enrage Warrior doesn't really need a whole lot of help. So it's it's going to be a lot of the same cards. Um, you are you're it doesn't even have any new cards. Uh, Larbarov is actually the only new card in it. That's it, which makes sense. And Shield of Honor is replacing Rampage, and that's it. Otherwise, it's the same enraged warrior that you know and love, and it's still reasonably good. Yeah, um, just play Barov, uh, and that's really it. The qualifier list that won uh, this morning, or not this morning, that won this weekend, is just the only new card is Lord Barov, and everything else is exactly the same. Still running eggs, even. Uh, went down to one Corsair cash. Oh, and you replaced the Rampages with Shield of Honor because they're half price. Yeah, and because yeah. you can play two of them with Grom on 10 mana, and that's pretty good. Yep. Yeah, and then the last deck, again, we don't, there is, Wire has put together a Galakron Warrior. Um, it's really fun, and yeah. I found it to be actually quite good. Uh, you should note that the Galakron invokes give your hero three attack, and cutting class is the attack of your weapon, so if you invoke, cutting class won't get cheaper. But you can still just, like, make really big weapons and hit your opponent with it. And oddly enough... It is a Galakrond warrior that does not run the uh, the Ritual Chopper. Yeah. Does not play it. Because you want a Corsair Cache for Reaper Scythe and then have a 4-3 weapon that kills three things a bunch of time. And let me tell you, Athletic Studies to unnerf Scion of Ruin? Ooh, I cannot, that's spicy. Yeah. I cannot believe Scion of Ruin was printed at three mana. <laughs> Think about it. I actually cannot believe it. I, I still play it now in four mana. It's like, this card is insane. It's one and a half Restless Mummies. It was three mana. Yeah. Three Ugh. And then we would play dragon so breeders to get more of them in the same turn, and oh my gosh, yeah. or barista, you would oh, barista, barista to get back three science. Oh my yeah. goodness, those were the days. Good lord, yeah. I don't know if the if this is a real deck, you know, long term, but it's fun if you want to play. If you want, if you want to get some nostalgia, you can play Galakron Warrior again, and and it's it's pretty good. It's fun, and and you know, Scion of Ruin is a card that we haven't seen in a while. So yeah, so and I think. That has to be it. We've been going for over two hours, which is a new record even for us for one of these shows. But that just kind of goes to how many how many decks are in this meta and how much variety there is. And I can't remember the last time. I mean, it it has to be a year ago at best, and even that was didn't compare to this. Like that, we've had a, a meta with this much variety that um, that just has a lot of different ways to play, and you're not kind of you know pigeonholed into one or two types of decks um just because and, and it's a really refreshing change from how the last two launches have gone and i mean as much as people were criticizing the dev team and and, and sometimes rightfully so i mean you know the, the actual words they were using were probably not very charitable but like the criticism was valid um you know about the way that the launch the launch of uh, ashes of outland was handled but I mean, they've, they've definitely made up for it with this with this set. It's way better and way more like what we expect the first week of a meta to be than what we've we've gotten the last couple sets, I think I would say. 
Yeah, uh, Savior's had some variety to it as well, and I do remember the opening weeks having having a good bit of experimentation, but I don't think it was quite to this extreme, where we're over a week in and we know the decks we're playing are bad. Like, we know that all of these decks are, are unrefined, even though they all feel really, really powerful, and that stuff is still going to continue changing for sure. Like, the Druid deck that everyone knew was good before the set came out, we added two one-mana one-ones into the deck today and made it way better. Like, <laughs> like we wouldn't have seen that coming. There's still more modification to, to come, and this compares to Angoro in a lot of ways, except Angoro was well before the age of HS Replay. We have live stats on almost everything now, and still things aren't figured out. And that's really impressive. So big props to Team 5 for how they designed the set. Uh, they definitely feel like they outsmarted us and that the obvious things were not so obvious. And I really appreciate the amount of effort and care that went into this, as well as the balance being pulled back from the power of Ashes a little bit, but not too much. Decks all feel really strong. There's a lot of strong synergies right now, uh, but everybody gets a, gets a chance to play. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that this kind of goes to like the whole power creep discussion right like we we talk about power creep as though it's a bad thing and it it, it can be if it's sustained and there's not a way to rein it in but at a certain point like there is value in in a meta where everything is powerful but not like unfairly so like it, it goes back to that whole to that whole example of Mr. Burns going to the doctor where every, you know, all the viruses are, are all trying to get through the door, but they're all canceling each other out. So he's actually so he says he's indestructible because <laughs> because he, he can't get sick because they're all fighting against each other. But they're all in kind of like uh, this, this harmonious balance. Like, that's what we want. Right. Like we don't like. Yeah. Shaman's shaman could use some help. Right. Maybe Shaman will get there in the third set. Like not everybody's getting there, but there it's not like there's one class or two classes that are dominating without having some sort of a way to play against them. It may feel like it a lot of the time. I know that because I like Priest and I've heard every name in the book thrown at Priest lately. But I mean, at the end of the day, there are ways to be Priest. There are ways to to beat most of these decks. They're not just like it's not like when we had Galakron Shaman and it was just like it doesn't matter what you do because Galakron Shaman is just going to do that and better and beat you anyway. And, and I think that's a refreshing change. And I think that that shows that they've been learning from the last couple sets. Um, and, and this might have been an acceptable risk as far as how they had to bring Demon Hunter in in order to make sure that it was it was received properly because it probably would have been worse than it even was if Demon Hunter just wasn't played because it wasn't good enough. Well, and they so, couldn't give Demon Hunter cards. They had to give it a deck. So they found a yeah. deck and gave it to it, and then that deck ended up being way better than they expected. Um, but... It's it ended up in a spot with a unique and clear play style and, and powerful impact on the meta, and it's not the only thing that Demon Hunter can do. And now Demon Hunter has another viable strategy in set number two that bears resemblance and is very clearly DH in its own way. It feels like DH, but it's so different. It's all about the removal, and it's all very much like the tanky play style and a lot of clearing stuff and, and yeah. attacking for damage on yourself. Um, it's... They, they are doing a good job of fleshing out the class. They just aimed high for the first expansion where they introduced the class, and they got what they wanted, and and then some. So they had to bring it in line. They did, and that's okay. They shot for a 9, they hit an 11, and they brought it down. And, and, and they, I think they, they hit a yeah. 13. <laughs> and the reason I say 13 is that's how many cards they had to nerf to make it not the best deck. Yeah. So, you know, but that's okay. I mean, that's, I think that's water under, under the bridge. It's fine. And, and like... 
if this is if this is what hopefully they can keep this up for the next couple sets and and manage this with some of the nerfs that they're eventually going to do and, and keep this fresh and 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 then we'll see what the new game mode is also because maybe by the time that we're we're tired of this meta then we'll have a new game mode that they're promising us in this in this cycle and then we'll get to see what that is so yep. but I think that is that is pretty much all we should have to say about decks because this has been an extremely long episode. And but I want to make sure, Hat, for the, the the two people listening who do not know by now where to find you, uh, I want to make sure you give an op- have an opportunity to tell them where uh, where they can find you and all the wonderful content that you are creating. So, uh, twitter.com slash ridiculous hat is the best place to see all the things in one place. Uh, if you like podcast, which I assume you do, because otherwise, why are you listening to this by the end? Uh, go to, uh, coin conceit is my main podcast, coinconceit.com. Uh, but also I'm on the vicious syndicate data reaper podcast. That's over at vicious syndicate.com, uh, available in any podcast app that you like. Just search us when we're there. Uh, the coin conceit is all about making tournament play more accessible, but we definitely go for a longer, a longer format. And we kind of talk about everything that's going on and have an educational focus. Whereas Vicious Syndicate, it's down to business. If you want to know what's going on in Standard with a more analytical approach, uh, and listen to Zacho be really smart and me be there to let him, then that is where you go. Uh, I stream uh, schedule TBD because I'm going back to work on Monday, but I, I play Hearthstone on the internet sometimes, uh, and I also put it on YouTube over at youtube.com slash ridiculous hat. Um, so yeah, you can find me and also every Hearthstone Discord. There is all of them. I counted how many dis- Discords I was in yesterday because someone asked me. Uh, I'm in 74 discords. Uh, some of them 74. are muted. Four. Good Some night. of them are muted, but I am in 74 <laughs> discords. It is probably too many, but I don't know. Eh, it's not like you pay for them, you know. <laughs> How about you, Steve? Only Where can people find attention. you? Where can people find you? Um, so you can you can find the show notes for this where, where you can find all the decks and everything at um, offcurve.com. You can also uh, follow the show account at offcurve. You just want to see when new episodes are going live or when there's something new with the uh, the visualizations that I do. The um, speaking of those visualizations, you can go to offcurve.com/masterstour. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Wicked Good. You can follow me on Twitch at um, just go to twitch.offcurve.com where sometimes I do stream these episodes when I'm not doing them from the car, like this one that you're maybe watching right now. Um, you can also join the Discord at discord.offcurve.com. We've got a lovely group of people, so you can um, you be one of Hat 74 Discords that he's in, in, uh, in common with him. And um, I should be casting again very soon, and I am hoping that I'm going to have some news very soon to share. Um, But until uh, next time, when I'm going to get some more ice cream, um, be good to each other, and we'll talk soon. Have a good one. Bye.